everybody, and welcome back to a very not-so-spooky, but always terrific Nextlander podcast. We don't want to be scary here. There's enough scary things going on. But it is Halloween, Alex Navarro. How are you? I mean, I, I want to be fun scary. I want to be the kind of scary you can get into, not the kind that is uh, real. What's a fun scary? Exactly. Just a guy in a sheet yelling boo? I don't know. <laughs> that, look... I've heard his. I've read history. That could be extremely scary. Okay, yeah, no, no, you're right. It, but, but you cut the eyes out. It's a whole body sheet, and it's like it's yeah. they, you're, it's a ghost. Yeah, you I'm said saying. enough. No, you got yeah. it. You got it. Yeah, no, I yeah. get it. Brad All Shoemaker. Right. Hello. Happy Hi. Halloween. Can we? Can we be creepy, kooky, mysterious, spooky, altogether ooky? I don't want to be. I ooky. can be four of those five things. Yeah, okay. No, no ookies allowed here. Um, so it is Halloween uh, disclaimer, uh, Halloween here in the suburbs. There is apparently a DJ across the street. If you hear what? that noise, there's a DJ across the street. What? If, if One more a, time. <laughs> DJ across the street. All right. Scariest thing you can think of. There it is. <laughs> uh, they're having like a little, uh, uh, party or not party, but you know, they're doing some like fun stuff party? across the street. What's that? Like a block party? No, no. In their driveway. Um, but, like uh, a driveway party? party? Driveway party. Like a little celebration there. That is across the street. If you hear any uh, thumping and rumping, that is uh, from, uh, If I apologize for that. Also, there'll be trick-or-treaters, I'm I, sure. Okay. I I know what thumping is. What yeah. is rumping? Uh, you think about it long enough, you'll know. You, you When you hear oh. it, you're going to know. Oh. Uh, uh, and they will have trick-or-treaters, doorbells ringing, I'm sure, at some point. And, I can't uh, stop uh, thinking about it now. Uh, rumping? Yeah. It's rumping good time. That's why gonna this is gonna haunt me. <laughs> it's Halloween. Something's gotta haunt you. Yeah. Might as well be the rumping. Uh so we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna go out and rump tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear a rump in the night. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh rump a good old rump roast. Those comedy this, rump roasts. If this van is thumping, don't come a rumping. That's those are all legitimate t shirt slash bumper sticker ideas. We're going to talk about some video games. Also, uh, heads hey, up. Let's just talk about this. Let's, let's talk about rumping. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Alan Wake 2. Uh, you know, fairly non-spoilery. But again, if you're just kind of getting into Alan Wake 2, uh, I think all of us are still near the beginning of that game or the intro to that game. I don't know how long that game is, but um, fairly uh, 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 non-spoiler commentary there, I I suspect. Uh, and then but, uh, at the end of our video game conversation, we'll be talking about Marvels, Marvels, Spider-Man Marvel. 2, Marvels, uh, in which we will be getting into spoiler stuff, and we'll denote that before we get into it, but I just want to say up at the front here, if you have not finished Spider-Man 2, or you are sensitive to the spoilers in Spider-Man 2, you're going to want to skip that conversation. It's going to be a very have. scary podcast for you. Extremely. Uh, at the end of our video game uh, conversation, so heads up before the news, skip into the news, if that's yeah. what you're into. Uh, other than that, um, we talked a lot on our ramble cast about some Halloween and scary stuff. So you can go catch mm-hmm. that over on patreon.com slash nextlander. But just to sum up, Brad, scariest movie you watched during the holiday season for folks who haven't listened to the ramble cast. Gosh, scariest. Yeah. Best, what spooked you the most? What's the best recommendation like, for scary? Talk, talk to me probably was the most disturbing. Okay. 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 Slash best. That. Okay. We talk a lot about that on the ramble cast. Alex, you got one movie recommendation here for folks. Just throw one out there while we're just because you've watched I've a lot. Got of five because we just did a whole Watchcast uh-huh. series of films. So uh-huh. if you haven't had a chance to catch up on those, maybe check out uh, Ghost Watch from the UK or The Babadook from Australia or 
you know, Suspiria, the original, or the remake, you know, we talk about that too. And then, I mean, you know, you want some 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 good Asian horror. Uh, what about uh, Haosu and Train to Busan? I don't I know. Think, I mean, if we're, if we're rubbing the WatchCast stuff in, I think I watched as many horror movies this weekend as we did for the month of October. Uh-huh. Like, I think, mm, I started to say Train to Busan might be the best of all of everything I've watched. Ooh, it's very good. Well, if you want to sure. watch... Maybe. Any of those movies that we just mentioned or that Alex just mentioned, you can watch them and then join our fine commentary over on the WatchCast. It's like watching it all together, but separately, and then yes. talking about it later. Uh, that's over on the, again, patreon.com slash nextlander, all of that fine stuff. But let's get into the Alan Wake before the doorbell starts ringing and the <laughs> and the real treats and tricks begin to fly in. Yeah. Uh, Alan yeah. Wake 2... It would, it would be very Alan Wake too if the doorbell rang and you went up there and it was you. Yep, yep. Uh, that's me, Mister Itchy, Mister. Uh, in a suit. It was like you, but in a suit. Mister, uh, they call him Mister Scratch. Uh, Mister Scratch. But uh, Mister Scratch, I had to go watch a video. I don't know about you guys. I watched a twelve-minute IGN video of Sam Lake recapping the entire story so far. Oh, I need to go do that because yes, was, you should do that because I feel I, like I'm not sure if they're making stuff up or or there's stuff I missed. Yeah, um, that's it. Should be easy to find. Just Google like IGN Sam Lake Alan Wake recap or something. But, okay. Like yeah, I couldn't. I could not remember what Scratch was. Who Mister Scratch was, despite having played American Nightmare when it yeah. came out. Like there's a lot. There's a lot in this. Yeah, that it's I dense. didn't remember. So. Alan Wake 2, uh, it's out now. It's $50, um, uh, and there's like a special edition, I think, for an extra $20 that gets you some skins, maybe an extra charm, which we'll get to in just a minute here. Uh, available, I think, exclusive on the Epic Game Store, on the PC, and then PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Yes, probably um, probably a permanent Epic exclusive. Yeah, they put money into that guessing. one. Epic published it. They funded okay. it, so it probably is not coming to Steam ever. I did not realize it was $50. $50, and then... Um, we should probably mention on the PC side, pretty fairly steep uh, requirements there. That's been a topic yeah, of conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And no, like, yes. But also it turned out to be PC gamers fucking getting super angry about something they didn't actually have their hands on again. It turned out the mm-hmm. game scales way better to lesser graphics cards than people thought they would. Yeah. And, so. and a lot of options in there too, to enable or disable the things that you want. But uh, we played a little bit of this on Friday, uh, and we let's just talk about the game for a bit. You kind of start off as Saga, uh, the FBI agent who is running around with Alex Casey, uh, who is uh, 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 modeled after Sam Lake uh, and voiced by Max Payne. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. What's the James? What is the voice actor's name? I knew this. Don't remember and, off the top of my head. Uh, I love that, that voice actor. Like, I mean, James McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Like, like he was always, he was always very recognizable from Max Payne. I feel like he's gotten some more grumpy old man punch to his delivery in this. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, he's great. He's great in this. So, yes. so just to kind of set the table here, Saga, who's the FBI agent's partner, another FBI agent is modeled after the head of the studio, Sam Lake. Yes. He's got the face of Sam Lake voiced by another 
character that they don't necessarily have the rights to in uh, Max they Payne. Do not own, they do not know. Yeah. Take two owns Max Payne. For all intents and purposes, sounds like maybe Alex Casey, a character from Alan Wake's book, might just be kind of Max Payne. It's, uh, this, game is, this game's meta as fuck. I mean, yeah. like the, first, the first game... Fuck, man. I don't even know where to start. Like, the first game is, like, a pretty straightforward, like, living nightmare horror thing, you know? Mm. It's like, oh, like, the, the nightmare realm, the dark place is merging with reality. Like, what's real? Alan's stuck in the lake now. It's all spooky. But this... This feels like full-on Kojima, basically, <laughs> so well, far. in the amount of, like, self-reference and weird meta layers of things going on. I, uh, yeah, I think it's a little more coherent. Than yeah. The yes. Kojima stuff. It's, 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 it's better. Kojima. <laughs> but it, to me, it feels like they took what was really fun about controls. Um, what are the AEWs? Other or AWEs? altered, altered world events. Yeah. They took what was like really fun and, and interesting about controls universe and now have merged Alan Wake and controls bananas events together in a way that feels like the train is barely keeping on the tracks, but in a kind of good way so far in a, in a way that keeps me not knowing where this whole thing is going or mm -hmm. feels like the characters often don't know. And saga starts the game out again. She's the FBI agent you play as with this ability to kind of preternaturally deduce things from looking at people or being inside her for all intents and purposes mind palace her mind place <laughs> so much amazing writing in this game when <laughs> you go we talked about this when i played that preview last month you know like you you warp to like this log cabin in her head to do crime solving detective shit literally when like the first line of dialogue in there the mind place my mm -hmm. version of the mind palace. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like you knew people were going to be getting that wrong constantly. So there you go. So she has this ability, which is not really explained or at least up until the point of, uh, where I am of why she can kind of intuit, um, facts from a conversation that really, it's not like she's Sherlock Holmesing something like, Oh, you know, a piece of sand on their shoulder or like a stray hair. That must mean, that they, now she just kind of goes in there and does this profiling uh, mechanic in the game where she's like, no, I should ask them about this charm. Yeah, she's <laughs> straight up just having visions of things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition to that, inside the mind place, you do have this rather kind of uh, a lofty mechanic of corkboarding stuff. I think, Brad, you also mentioned this during a preview event where you're taking uh, these people, places, things and putting them on a board and kind of connecting them in a way that drives the story forward. It's really, I feel like it's main mechanic in the saga parts to kind of just give you your next objective, right? That's beyond that. I'm not really sure in saga's case, what that's doing. I mean, it's literally yarn and Polaroids and note cards type stuff. Yeah. Like if you were not an actual detective, like this would look like some conspiracy theory shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like I feel like in the detective procedurals I've seen, they do this on the whiteboard with the photos, right? Yes. This happen maybe less thumbtack, fewer thumbtacks, and fewer pieces of yarn. So that's Saga's got a, a pistol or a firearm, and a, uh, I got a very missable shotgun at some point. Thank you, Brad. Um, and the flashlight mechanic is there to kind of zap the baddies into pull them from the dark place, let's say, into reality. 
which feels that feels probably the most similar from Alan Wake previous. Yeah, game. it's 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 full on got the use the flashlight to burn the darkness off the lumberjack bad guys so yeah. you can shoot them. Uh, you still have battery packs you need to find to recharge yeah. the flashlight. All that stuff is still there, but the combat is way harder, <laughs> and there seems like less of it so far, and it's way harder. You, like, yeah. You both as Alan Wake, you, you switch perspectives at some point, but as Alan Wake and Saga are extremely fragile at the top of this game. There are some upgrades you can get and some uh, mechanics that make it a little bit easier, but um, you're it. So when you take a hit, when you go down past a certain level of health initially, you can only regain, I think it's probably not more than 25% of your health bar max unless you use a healing item. Uh, so if you are at that 25%, I'd say you got maybe two hits, sometimes one hit and you're dead. And, uh, so you have to be very careful. Uh, and I've been healing a lot more since I learned that. Like I've just been trying to top my health off because it's very dark. Mm -hmm. Um, things jump out at you pretty regularly. If you're in a dangerous situation, you can get blindsided just very easily. Yeah. Uh, and go down and I'm going to get into the thing, which is probably my biggest, um, gripe with the game is the checkpointing and saving is pretty rough where it is now. I don't know if that's something they'll change later on or how they change it or do it's kind of manual or quick saves at certain points and destinations, which are fairly spread out and far between, but say you hit a quick save or a save point, go out, do a bunch of collectible stuff which there is a fair amount of uh and then just die randomly you will start back at that save point without any of those things checked off your list and kind of have to remember to do them again or go through all the cutscenes you did again um which leads to situations that i'm finding myself in where i'll backtrack to a save point after i've done a bunch of stuff and just pop off a quick save just because it's happened enough times or i'm like all right i'll just mm -hmm. do the five three minute run back to this thing and just go I, save. Yeah, I, I learned a very harsh lesson in the woods right after where we stopped streaming on Friday, like right after Alan is in the picture, you then go on to spend quite a bit more time in those woods directly after that you just yeah. spent a lot of time in. But Even yeah, more I, time. I think there's a there's a yeah. environment change which allows you to yeah. explore. Yeah, more. yeah, it's it's not the same woods. They open up more of them, so there's new a lot of like a lot of new stuff to explore, actually. But yeah, man, I like I I had a ton of Polaroids built up from different evidence I had collected that I was like, ah, I should pop in here and fill out this case board stuff. Then I also spent a lot of time going through all the items and like fiddling with the quick slot stuff, getting all the healing and ammo and everything exactly where I want it. Cause the combat, like again, like it's not easy. Like the enemies no. close the distance on you. Like they can like dash right up on you. Yep. Like you, you're just kind of slow and plotting and the enemies are not and they hit hard and et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, they soak up a lot of ammo. Like, especially if you're trying also, to hit those headshots, they do their zombie weave, which can be tough. Thankfully they drop a lot of ammo so far in my experience. I don't know if that changes, but they've been dropping a surprising number of bullets because I think this would be unplayable otherwise. Yeah. Um, anyway, I did all this procedural stuff and then fucking died and lost like 20 minutes of putting Polaroids on the wall and, arranging my quick slots and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, not doing that again. Like never putting time into that stuff again, unless I'm right before safe. Yeah. And that, that also has happened to me a few times. Maybe the more regular thing that happens is I'm, I will save and then I'll go through narrative stuff, sometimes unskippable narrative, narrative stuff into a fight that I die on and that I kind of have to reload, do the thing again, and then 
pop these narratives again, right? That, mm-hmm. that um, and and it just it just adds a level of frustration. It feels a little um antiquated, I'd say. I guess it feels very kind of old school, where you're like. Oh, a lot of games don't do this anymore. A lot of games will keep your collectibles even if you die and just kind of revert your physical progression back to that thing. Or um, when you get a collectible, it's just checked off on some other save mechanic. Yeah, it's. I feel like they're leaning harder into a slightly older style of survival horror thing, but also I don't know that that completely works for what they are trying to do narratively. Not because I don't think, you know, the game should be hard or anything, but it's just like with the way stuff checkpoints, with the way, like you said, sometimes the narrative can be delivered multiple times if you're struggling with it. Like, I think some of the limitations they are putting on you are maybe not the smartest way if you want people to really digest that story. It, you know, Control had checkpointing issues with the, with the nature of that place. That's um, the thing is it had issues too. Yeah. And like, I, I, I understand what, it's another case where I understand what they were going for, which in Control's case was a little bit more of like a Metroidvania style thing, but I just don't think it benefits necessarily like a smooth experience with what they're trying to do. The other place that kind of uh, just, and again, it's the same thing, it's the saving and the, and the checkpointing that causes some friction is it can be hard to know when to put the controller down and turn it off because um, there are large chunks where you're just between physical manual saves and the checkpointing you know, it does a little circle in the corner to be like, hey, I'm saving. But if you weren't paying attention and then suddenly you haven't seen one in 10 minutes, you're like, oh, man, I, I got to find a save room or mm-hmm. just hit some yeah, event the, that's going to trigger this. The easiest thing to do is pause and go to load and you can see it'll show it'll show the auto saves there so you can see. And, they, and they're and they're time stamped. It'll time be like stamp. last saved, saved nine minutes ago. So you can see if it's checkpointed recently there. OK. Um, cause I, I remember I was playing and I was like, oh, I just got to get to a point here. Give mm-hmm. me something. Uh, and there can be stretches. Uh, so for the most part, Saga, um, kind of is wandering around in the woods in the beginning of the game. She's kind of, uh, unlocking some power up. She has some puzzles. I got, I don't know if you guys got a couple of charms. Yes. Um, it's, it's like surprisingly combat light for the first, gosh, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably, I mean, I've really been taking my time, like exploring the woods, trying to find everything. It's, but I've put four or five hours into it. I'm still in the first Allen sequence. Okay. So I'm I'm probably going pretty slowly, but it's pretty like I've probably killed like 20 enemies or less at this point in the game. Mm -hmm. Like they're really not throwing that much combat at you. So for, for as, as challenging as it can be. Well, Um, some of it seems skippable too. Like it seems like they're random encounters in the woods, uh, encounters that repopulate yeah, you in the can, woods and you, you can, can definitely kind of, you can definitely like circumvent some of those enemies and it seems like they do respawn which again is good that they drop ammo but the thing i was gonna say though is just like there's a ton of world building in the first three hours or whatever you know a lot of good mm-hmm. like control tie and stuff too ton of walking around the woods talking to casey investigating a murder blah, blah blah going back to town like you can wander around that town and do quite a bit more than we did in the stream I mean, you're kind of going off the story path at that point, but you can like wander around in that lodge and talk to townspeople and find stuff. I never did find my it's, wire. My it's so weird, cars. man. The game is so weird. There is so much fucking weird world building stuff in this. It's incredible. It's really good. And you you can, I don't know if you did it, Brad, but just for anybody playing, there is a, an optional, it was the first optional side mission thing I saw too. Like explore this area before you leave and that will tick off. If it feels like you have seen everything that's yeah, they, there. <laughs> I, I kept exploring, doing stuff. I was like, 
am I missing things? Yeah. Can I come back here later? Should I just leave? Cause I've got a story objective, but I want to see all this stuff. And then the second I picked up the last item, okay. Casey radios, <laughs> he's like, it's like, Hey, we've made it to the car. What are you doing? Yeah. She's like, okay, I think I'm about done here. Like they, they do make it pretty clear. I thought yeah. those puzzles, those side puzzles as you wander around the, the forest with the little dolls and the nursery rhymes and stuff. So is there one you just can't do yet? I did um, two of them, and then the one with the birds. Uh, no, the, I, I found three and did all three. You did? You did the one yeah. bird, two bird, three bird one? Oh, which one was that? Did you, How many did you find? I think I found four. Oh, did I miss one completely? There was the one where, oh, maybe I found three. There's the one, well, I guess I can just tell you by the charms. Um, oh, I forget the charm. I mean, I did the one that was inside the, led inside the house. Uh, yes. I did the one that led to the little house that was by the stream. The, the save point. Yeah, by the save point. Yes. Uh, there was the one outside the something, outside a cabin that I was a, just was a poem about birds. And every time I put down the first piece, she was like, now nah, that's not right. And I was like, mm. all, all right, well, I guess, I guess I'm not doing this. I might have missed one then. Um, I thought I found, thought I found them all, but, um. There's that note you find that tells you how many there are. I think there are four in that. In oh, that maybe I missed area. one entirely. Is there, there is one? a lot of missable stuff yeah. in that yeah. game. And those woods. And like I, I've played later parts of the game and like I've played later saga stuff like around the amusement park and, and stuff at that preview event. Like it, the woods at the beginning are kind of feel pretty unique in how hard they are to navigate. I'm, okay. I, I'm bringing this up to say I don't think the rest of the game is like this. Like the, the the outdoor stuff with her later was much more like straightforward. I can even in even in wooded areas was more like I can pretty much tell where I'm supposed to go and what are valid paths from here. Okay. Whereas that first forest area, like I'm constantly looking at the map trying yeah. to figure figure like, is that another path I can walk up? Is that just set dressing that isn't actually walkable? Like it's really hard to find your way around in those woods, which may be intentional. It's very labyrinthine and it's very it's very um there are a lot of corners to poke around in, a lot of like nooks and crannies. You you will get um, these kind of iridescent or uh, black light-ish uh, arrows that will point you towards power-ups and secrets and stashes, and those mm -hmm. are pretty helpful too because otherwise it would be even harder. But those arrows really do help kind of guide you in the general direction. And is yeah. it – what is it? Torn torn moment, torn uh, pages that get you the Man upgrades? Manuscript fragments. Yeah, manuscript. Or your upgrade currency. Which is, you Cause, want those. Because it's more fucking Alan Wake. You are finding manuscript pages all over the place that are essentially describing things that you have done or will do. Yeah. And who wrote them and for what purpose and who mm -hmm. can say. There's a lot of weird mystery shit. Happening. The writer will write. <laughs> and then you kind of. I have to write. <laughs> then, it, like, on the Alan Wake side of things, he has similar mechanics where he can go into his mind palace but he has a. Oh, you mean, um, oh, you mean the writer's room? The writer's which room is an incredible name. Um, his stuff is where I think the game really starts to pick up steam in yeah, terms like, of yes. going into its meta narrative. I don't want to spoil this scene, but the talk show scene is amazing. Talk show like blew my mind. Uh, that's really good. Uh, a lot of fun stuff in there for people all, who are also just familiar with their games in there. And then he has an, Alan has a new mechanic and I don't remember if you got into this, Brad, but yeah, uh, I talked about it from, the okay. Where you can change I, the I, location. I did a lot of that. Yeah. In that demo. Cause I was much later in the game, so I haven't seen that part yet. Okay. So that you, you get that pretty quickly as in, in Alan's stuff, they kind of introduce it, um, you know, fairly slowly where you can modify 
on his cork board, it's more used to modify the actual physical location um, by adding um, basically modifiers to a scene. I think the first one you get is a murdered FBI agent, right? So, like, if you put that in a certain location on the map, suddenly you're kind of it's that I think the intent is now he has written that into his story or he has changed the the communication of that story to make the scene around this murdered FBI agent or, or, or whatever version of that is. And that opens up paths and changes thing. He also has a mechanic where he can gather light into a lamp. Yeah. His, his stuff is basically, and it's all in New York. So it's a lot of interiors. And even when you're outside, it's like streets and alleyways and stuff, not the, not the really dense organic forested stuff that saga is mostly yeah. dealing with or a lot of, a lot of her stuff. So his stuff is much more, it's all about changing that environment, whether it's rewriting the nature of reality and having that become real or using that light to kind of flip between two versions of the world, which I feel like is a really striking effect. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Just like going into the mind place and the writer's room, it's like one frame. There's no loading, no transition, no nothing. It's like press the button to steal the light or put the light in and it like entire scene in front of you just changes instantly. Like it. It feels very next gen. Like there's a lot of stuff in this game, kind of like Spider-Man recently. That's just like, oh man, this like we're getting into it now. Like I'm starting to see stuff that I feel like I never would have seen on the old consoles. Yeah. It's cool, I, but <laughs> he does get into fairly again labyrinthian places where there are branching paths or multiple paths. But Alan's stuff even gets weirder because you wind up in with multiple ways to change the environment, multiple different iterations. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you wind up in the situation of like, oh boy, all right, let me explore all of this before I change the environment to this one other thing. Now I'll explore all of that. Now I'll change it again. And the thing with Alan's, I don't know if you've gotten much of this yet, Brad, or did in the preview event. Alan's environment is polluted with spectral figures, like just milling about. And sometimes they will notice you and attack you. Or you can stealth past them. You can, there are upgrades to stealth better, but. I feel like it's hard to know exactly which ones are going to turn aggressive or not. Some mm-hmm. some turn into the full-on axe guys and just go after you, and some you can just banish with the flashlight. With a, um, with the Oh, yes, flashlight. I did some of that in that preview event where it's yeah. like, oh, my God, there's like eight guys here, but yeah. most of them, if I shine the flashlight on them, they just evaporate. Yeah, so I wind up just kind of trying to turn, and they give you prompts that are like, hey, don't forget, you can turn your flashlight off with B, and I was like, oh, can I just do that and sneak past? And then I wind up getting some upgrades for Alan. He's got, uh, I forget what it's called, the power of the word or something. He finds all these circles written uh, in weird ways that are like, <laughs> it's like the word of the lamp and like the word of the gun and the word of the whatever that are like, oh, enemies, 20% better chance to be not be seen by enemies. And I was like, oh, okay. I should probably be trying to sneak past more of these encounters than, than not. Uh, those enemies, by the way, Brad, do not drop ammo. Heads up. Uh-huh. You, Interesting. You, you stop getting those ammo drops. The other thing that is a little weird is, since I died multiple times in the same spot, the ammo pickups from crates and stuff are random. Sometimes you'll open that thing on a playthrough or a save, and there's a bunch of stuff in there. Sometimes I open it, and there's nothing in that same one. So uh, that's a little weird. But Alan's stuff, super fun and weird. And those mechanics, very different than Saga's, I guess, in the context of this game, more normal uh, uh, kind of playthrough. Alan is just like, it's a mind bender, man. He's doing doing some really weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's trapped in the dark place. This is not reality. So, like, things can get as weird as they want. 
and fun. Them, like, and, and yeah, dude, the the storytelling techniques in this are so crazy. Like, they're I don't know how much blast, you've seen man. of it, but like, like the blending FMV on top of the environment as you're walking around in it. Have you gotten any of those? Um, those sort of like Alex echoes. Casey monologues. Yeah, they're they're the echoes where um yes, you just kind of like got to line up the two spheres. Yes, yes. Yeah. and then like those are some of the things I came out of the event, that event going like man, this like just the presentation in this game is just so next level. Like the way that they blend that actor moving yeah. around in your three D space while you can still move around as well. It's pretty good and like um, it's fun though. Again, I really like this stuff, but technically, those are some of the things that I was like if you do those and then you die, you go back and you're like, Oh, I got to watch this again. These are unskippable. Yeah. And it's like, I want them checked off on my list. And like, I know what they're saying. And plus listening to those echoes will give Alan more, um, things to add to his cork board. So you want to make sure you get some of those, but yeah, the, the presentation of it is awesome. They're Thanks. having a blast with this stuff. Like the thing I will give this game more than anything else so far, because I, I think I'm very kind of middle of the road on the gameplay so far is that they clearly went in with a distinct vision for what they thought a modern version of Island Wake could be. And I think that vision is pretty compelling. And, you know, they t they're taking a lot of what they, they, they figured out with control and sort of finding ways to apply that to something that isn't just like, a, you know, a fast paced shooter. Again, I have some issues slightly with the the survival horror nature of the game, but I think what they're going for is super compelling, and I think on a storytelling and presentation level, this is some of the most exciting shit I have seen Remedy do. Yes, absolutely. Like I, I would kind of say some of the most exciting shit I've seen generally in games in a while, like just yeah. mainly in terms of visual techniques and stuff like that. But also like, like the confidence and ambition of what they're doing, you know, like like the story is pretty fucking out there for a video game, but they are just going for it, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to see where their influences are pulling from, but the thing is, I think they're applying them in a way that feels pretty fresh and pretty inventive. And, you know, like, again, they're they're taking a, a, a game that, for them, was not one of their bi biggest successes. It has its audience, certainly, and its fans. I, you know, I thought the first game was kind of neat, but, like, they are, they are definitely, like, there's a lot more going on here, like, mentally and storytelling-wise than, I think, what the original Alan Wake had going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody, somebody in the Twitch chat reminded me on Friday that like this game is a lot closer to kind of what the original pitch for the first Alan Wake was, which was yeah. going to be much more of an open, semi-open world with detective story elements. Yeah. That's how they originally announced Alan Wake, and then it took forever to make, and by the time they got it out, it had just kind of become a shooter. Yes. Uh, and it seemed like it really fell short of what their ambitions were, so like they've kind of made that game now. It yeah, like, it wasn't a bad shooter, but it no. definitely did not feel as much like a horror game as maybe they had initially pitched it. Like this, this has got a much more open structure. Like Vinny, I don't know how much you've have you gotten to a point where you can like go back to old areas. I guess mainly a saga that's probably less relevant for I, Alan, but it seems like my my impression is you can kind of go back to Cauldron Lake or Bright Falls, kind of whenever. I have not. I so I I finished the saga part and I finished the Alan Wake part, and now I'm back to saga. But I have not gotten to a thing where I can go switch between the characters whenever I want. I okay. don't know if that's coming. Um, it is coming. Okay. That's it's, it's so it's in the tutorials. I mean, I know from, cause they told me about it at that event, but also it's already in your tutorials. They oh, add okay. these, like they add the, like how to switch between characters thing to the tutorials way before you get it. Okay. Which so is I, another amazing thing. <laughs> you can only do it in certain save rooms. Oh, and the device, like the object you used, you interact with to, <laughs> to switch to the other character is the, 
the, the puddle from the janitor's bucket on the floor. Oh, wow. <laughs> because if you're a big fan of the janitor from Control, I have good news for you. There's some janitor shit in, in there, I, but like literally it's like, hey, if there's a puddle on the floor, you can like go through it to become the other character. I, I think that's my favorite stuff that I am. am the stuff that's resonating with you. Yeah. Is the tie ins with their universe building from yes. control to this where it's like, I love that controlled universe. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, this is definitely more. And we should say this, too. This is a a. Huh, gory is not the right word. It's a much more visceral game it's, than it's Alan Wake dark. was. Like, yeah, yeah, Al, it's a Al, horror game. Like, like it is. It does feel like a horror game that is informed by recent horror games. Like the thing it kind of reminds me the most of, though I think uh, it's its own brand of Buck Wild is kind of the, the where Evil Within ended up. Sure, sure, yeah, I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah, it is. It is much darker graphic. than the first game. Yeah, um, and w- Control was not graphic, but like the but the stuff that's going on where the nonsense from control makes its way into this game. The thing I loved about control was nonsensical things being taken extremely seriously by the Bureau. Right. And Alan Wake kind of also has that in his world, Alan's world, these things that are just like ridiculous. Like you said, Brad, the puddle, like they have very serious implications and have to be taken seriously. And they're kind of, at least by Alan, kind of unquestioned. I think Saga is coming to grips with what this stuff means, but you know, Alan's got to walk around with a lamp, right? <laughs> that's yep. like you know, that's his totem for for kind of uh, uh, harnessing light power. He's like, yeah, of course, that's that's how that would work. Uh, I, I love. Oh, sorry. Really. No, that's. I, I think that's my favorite stuff. I think I think they they show like a, an admirable amount of restraint with the control stuff. Like they didn't like. Thankfully, I, I love control, but I'm glad they didn't just go turn this into a stealth control sequel. Right? No, like, no, like it's not F- that. Like the FBC is there around the edges and like maybe a little more prominent than I expected, but but also they don't let it like steal the show. Like yeah, it's still very much an Alan Wake story. I do love, and this is partially from watching that Sam Lake recap because they show like like the the AWE DLC for for Control is set up for this game. Right, and so they show the ending of that in there. I love the implication that for Alan Wake, all this shit that's going on is sort of like the defining traumatic experience of his life. Mm-hmm. For the FBC, it's Tuesday. Yeah, right. totally. Yeah, it's like all the Cauldron Lake shit that's happening is just like yet another Manila folder of case file for an agent at the bureau. <laughs> like this shit happens everywhere all the time for them. And that is like perfect. That is the perfect way to approach it because as much as I like the idea of these things existing in a shared universe and being able to connect the dots between them. Like I would have been really bummed if Jesse Faden had just swung in from out of nowhere. It's like, yeah. it's my game now. Like, yeah. no, make them a, a factor certainly. But it seems like the, they, they found a nice balance for that stuff of like, we know you like control. Here's a little of that, but this is an Alan Wake game. Yeah. I mean, having looked at the cast list, I only know this from that, that, that I think there is maybe a little more direct character involvement on the part of somebody from the FPC at some mm-hmm. point, but I still don't, it's, it still very much feels like a follow up to Alan Wake. Is that Not, the Janina character? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found a book with uh, Dr. Um, yeah. Ca- Dr. Casper Darling. <laughs> Dr. Casper Darling, which was just fun to see. Who, on the- who is that actor? Uh, Am I crazy here? I don't know. Yeah. It is 100% Alan Wake. I thought so. I didn't like, it seems so improbable because they look so fucking different, especially like how I came across that book last night and saw the cover photo of him. Like they dress him up so differently, but it's totally the same actor. That's great. 
that, so that's the fun stuff. I think Alex, like you said they're having a lot of fun doing their horror game, and yeah, and you can kind of feel that for as serious and heavy. And the writing, I think, is very good um, so far. The 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 prose, you know, like Alan's writing is not corny or cheesy. Like it's 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 pretty good. Like you know, it's I feel like there's a real possibility that stuff can become too in the weeds cliche, you know, for what they're going for. It's very noir, you know, for, mm-hmm. for a lot of the Alex Casey stuff, but it plays and it, and it works well. I mean, they pulled off Max Payne, so I guess, you know, they know what they're doing in those circles, but they're having a goof with a lot of it. And yeah. th- that well, kind of seeps through some of the, some of the horror. There's a lot of meta stuff in this for sure of the, you know, your partner is Max Payne in this, but he's also the same name as Alan Wake's famous protagonist. And, the hell is going on there or stuff like that. I, I need to correct myself real quick. I think the, the actor who plays darling is only the voice of Alan Wake. He's not the, that's oh, correct. Yeah. Not, the the not, likeness not the, is different, not the on-screen actor, but I want to say that on-screen actor. No, he he does talk actually. I mean, he does have dialogue. So it's, it's so hard to even tell Brad what's going on as you right. are, are yeah, that deep into it. Who's what, when, which, which version of which person are we seeing when, and and they are switching like pretty seamlessly between FMV actors and 3D models yeah. of the characters, like literally shot to shot in some cases. And in some I cases, it's actually a little hard to discern when, I, which one is real and not. Like it sounds grandiose to say this, but there are absolutely and like like it's a it's a fucking amazing looking game. I think the like pretty much all the saga stuff because her stuff is very real world, like like going for a realistic look. Mm-hmm. Looks great, but still, you can tell it's a video game. Mm-hmm. It's specifically some of the nighttime Alan Wake stuff. Like, I am 100% with you. There have been multiple shots. And and it's where the lighting is, like, low and flat. You know, it's not like yeah. there's a spotlight on the character's face, like a frontal shot of the face. Like, you can say, you can tell, like, okay, it's a video game model. But, like, when the lighting is, like, low and red or something, there are absolutely spots where I can't tell if the model is an FMV character or a 3D model. Like, the... Yeah, just like the the rendering quality on the, on some parts of this game is just completely insane. It's as good as a modern video game has gotten at yeah. blend blurring the lines between that stuff because it's never like you know I, we're not at the generation yet where that stuff is just going to be flawless, but it is it is a real achievement in that regard. Yeah, like I, th- I think that if if you can say in literally any context at all, I'm not quite sure if this is photographic or 3D. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty big accomplishment. That means you've done something. It's, it's, um, it's good. And they use it to good effect. You know, yeah. like they, they are yeah. using that technology well, not just for showcasing a, a technical achievement. Yeah, it's a very like, like stylized game. This, like a, this, this is a game I will describe as pleasantly up its own ass. Like I, there are a lot of games where I feel like you get this meta, you do this much weird shit. You can definitely run the risk of just being annoying about it. And so far, none of what I've played has been remotely annoying. Yes. Like I, I feel like the, the spectrum for that type of stuff ranges from rolling your eyes on one end to just going like, hell yeah. On the other end and this yeah. game is like all the way on on the hell yeah end of the spectrum yeah. like everything they do that's weird in this is just like oh my god that's amazing i want to see more of this so far i mean and it's kept me on my toes like i really i really don't know exactly what they're gonna be going for here you know it's a, uh, um you know alan's battling with this <laughs> Even the even the words they use, the writing is so like what is it the the dark presence the dark mm-hmm. presence yeah the, the dark presence it's like that place. is really corny man <laughs> like, yes like uh, yeah for sure for you sure. get this point where Alan um kind of interacts with Saga and uh has to and they're going over the beats of it 
you know, and Saga is saying it in this very dry, like, okay, and then we have to run from the dark presence, like, right? It, <laughs> mm-hmm. Saga is her, is her own interesting situation of, like, and a lot of the characters are kind of like this, but, like, she especially has got such a level of detachment or, like, bemusement at all the insane shit that's going on that it has to be intentional. Oh, yeah. Like, like she's going through some fucking crazy shit. Yeah. And immediately comes out of it just, like, cracking jokes with Casey over the phone or saying, you know, like, just has a really lighthearted approach to everything that's going on here. And it feels very Lynch. Like, it feels, yeah. having now seen some Twin Peaks, finally, it feels, she she very much feels like she's written, like, a like a Lynch character. Let I, me put it this way, and I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously, here, but I will just say a lot of the stuff that they are directly referencing in from Twin Peaks you have not gotten to yet. So... There is okay. Again, we, I've only seen season one of Twin Peaks, um, and I really want to see the rest of it. But there is a part. I don't know if you guys have noticed this because it happens a couple of times, where Alex Casey and Saga both drink out of their coffee cups at the yeah. same exact time multiple times. Yes, which feels like the most Lynch thing or most yes. Twin Peaks oh, yeah. thing in that in that For thing. Sure. Absolutely, for With, sure. Like choreographed coffee drinking. Um, I don't know what's going on. Again, they, you could tell me that like. Some of these characters don't really exist. The, the coffee, the, you know, FK in the coffee. I have no like, idea. I think like I, the most mind blowing part example of this kind of thing to me is on that talk show when the host <clears throat> is like, it's like, man, I can't wait to read your new book. You know, you left us on a real cliffhanger on the last one. I mean, I mean, what did it mean? It's not a lake. It's an ocean, which is the last line of dialogue from the Alan Wake, the video game. Oh, that's pretty good. Which, okay. like, I've forgotten most of that game. Like, I'd forgotten the character of Nightingale completely and Rose and a lot of the mm-hmm. characters in this who were actually from the first game. But that line has always stuck with me because the end of that game is, like, kind of a mindfuck. And that's literally the last, like, shot of the game. He says that. And now here's a character saying, hey, that was the last line of your last novel. What's going you know, You know, it's yeah, just, mm-hmm. like, it's just such rapid fire, like, self-reference on top of self-reference. And crazy visual storytelling techniques like it's just such a, a wild game on every level other than the shooting which is just kind of which is fine clunky slightly clunky but 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 that's doable. cool I, like it's i didn't even realize that and yeah. I, I love hearing that because it, it feels like you're in trusted hands with their yes. own material right yes. like mm-hmm. they are they are taking their material as seriously as maybe the fans are and able to do it deftly and tie it in to where they're not just wallpapering over certain things. Um, that's, that's fun to hear. Uh, I, sh- I need to go back and get a refresher on the, uh, yeah, the first that, game in the DLC. Yeah. Just pull up that, that quick, that same Lake video. It's like 12 minutes. And okay. Like he covers American nightmare the whole thing. I'm sure they also covering what's relevant to, uh, to know for this game as well. Um, instead of something else, which might just go into everything. Uh, I really, I'm enjoying Alan Week 2 so far. Uh, again, the only th- the nitpick I have, and it's a little bit more than a nitpick, it's, it's kind of a grievance, is the is the save stuff, because it is actually getting in the way of my progression uh, here and there. It's a little irritating. Um, I am getting more survivable, and I will say, as Alan, they throw a lot of upgrade opportunities at you that are quite missable um, in a way that I kind of wish they gave you some kind of checklist for how many are in an area to know, because I've must've hit about 10, uh, if not more that I was like, Oh man. And they're so good. Like, you know, one of them is like 
gain, you know, 30% more health back, uh, on your health bar in those safe, safe areas. And like, that's huge. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, a one out of 20 chance of not expending ammo or getting ammo back. And you want those, they make you more survivable. So, um, that's helped out a lot. And also kind of meeting the game, a, a game a bit on where it is and being like, all right, I should just go back. And like you said, Brad, just don't make that mistake again. Right. Like, I need, if this is how we're going to do saves, I need to go back and save, or I need to not do this thing until I'm in a safe room, uh, which is, you know, it's fine, I guess. I, I hope they patch some of that out or fix some of that or find a way to get around some of that. But um, I should also mention I'm playing, I think you guys are all playing on normal, like the normal difficulty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm normal. thinking about knocking it back, actually. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any shame in that. I mean, there never is, but especially here, like... This this definitely feels like a game where you're willing to put up with some rough edges to see the amazing stuff yeah. it's doing, which is kind of constantly coming at you. Yeah. But but like the checkpoints are rough. I think the combat can be a little punishing. Yeah. Like it's it's even just a little jank in some of the character movement and some of the like you know when you like kind of walk into physics objects they kind of like jerk around in a weird I, way. Like there's just a little bit of or if you run into like the end of a path in the forest like the way that the character just sort of like jitters against the invisible wall you know stuff like that there's a little bit of a little bit of polished stuff that isn't quite there but like it's relatively easy to overlook all that stuff for the truly incredible things that it's doing i there is a thing with chairs in this game where it feels like you have yes. a field around you and chairs will kind of like repel away from yes, you that's that's chairs are the main physics thing i was thinking about where <laughs> it doesn't feel like you're like touching these things naturally yeah i couldn't tell if that again it's such a weird game is like is this supposed to be happening is this chair supposed to be gliding away from me or not probably not quite like that probably not and it brought me back to remembering max Payne one where i feel like was maybe one of the first physics games i played and um that, just remember that's, that's about the right time frame yeah yeah dodging around that opening like hospital whatever i don't know if it's max Payne one or two but basically knocking everything over and tin the cans and all this stuff and playing with the physics around there uh, Alan Wake 2, $50, uh, Epic Game Store and PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S uh, out now. Oh, one last thing I'll just mention. I am very close to doing that, like, delete Epic Game Store overlay on those mm. achievements. Uh-huh. They, that thing sucks. I saw They're not great. I mean, what what is what is like news writing on the internet? Who knows who runs what these days and written by whom? But I saw Yahoo Finance of all places ran a story about that exact thing. It's like they literally did a write up on like, hey, this is ruining the game. <laughs> this is the most terrifying thing about Alan Wake is the fucking achievement sound. It's bad. I never really it's noticed funny it before, in a but way, but it's, it's bad. It's it's funny, but this game's atmosphere is so immaculate. And I like yeah. I I should say, I mean, I could sit here for another 30 minutes talking about cool stuff in this game like the atmosphere especially like in the woods but i'm sure also in new york as you get deeper into it like pretty truly oppressive like it's yeah. pretty frightening the sound design like the lack of visibility you know like yeah. the, all the just the danger of the enemies like it's it's pretty creepy to walk around in this game so having it interrupted by that, like most delightful of little jingles is just it's not great it, it undermines the the feel of the game yeah, it's like it's like this. Yeah, this little jingle that plays after somebody's been like, and he was eviscerated, you know. And then it's like, ding, yeah. <laughs> like okay, well, come on, ding, man. Ding, 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 yeah. And um, and there's only, I guess, the only way to do it is to go in and actually delete 
uh, that overlay. I, can, I don't know if it's per game or per system wide. I, I think it's I think it's just once for the the epic launcher. There, there's a couple of methods I've, so you can like go rename or delete the executable that runs the like overlay. <laughs> okay. For Epic Store, um, if you if you know how to do this, you can get your trumpet or something to do this. You can also just turn the volume of that application down. Oh, okay. If you know how to, if you know how to set like per application yeah. volume uh, sound settings in Windows, you can just mute the Epic Store. Oh, okay. It, it'll come up as its own application. Yeah, I haven't tried that, but I've seen people saying that. that oh, works. maybe I'll give that a shot. That doesn't disable the banner popping up. That's does, a, the banner. I does, don't mind. The banner's yeah, not so bad. It's, it's sound. Really, it's the sound effect is just so goofy. <laughs> it just really feels out of place, and there yeah. are a lot of them. Like I should say, you you get them quite a bit um, throughout the course of the game. It's not like every hour. It's like a few an hour. All right, that's Alan Wake Two. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna come back. We're going to talk about some more games, uh, including some spoilers for Spider-Man 2, which we'll do towards the end of uh, talking about our game segment. So keep an ear out for that if you're worried about spoilers for Spider-Man 2. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro and Brad Shoemaker we are here in the end of October, the beginning of November, as of the time of this recording, and I have some traveling to do. And one of the things I need to do is get a suit across the country. Oh, that's a hassle. That is a hassle. But a thing I didn't even know was made, a thing I didn't even know I wanted, came to me in a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. It is a garment bag that is a, basically a duffel bag, and then when you unzip it, it turns into like a, a garment bag, like a suit bag. You put your suit in it, it kind of rolls and zips back up into a duffel bag, and you put your stuff inside the duffel bag, shoes and jeans or whatever, and it goes in the overhead. It's amazing. It's awesome. I love it. That is the only the kind of invention that only a small business owner could come up with. You know, only the small business people out there could invent things like this. That's right. And the Box of Awesome has all sorts of things that come from small businesses. Actually, 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand, Alex Navarro. To get started, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you, and they release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. Each box is valued around $70, but of course, you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. I'll tell you what, it's great for introducing you to things that you didn't even know you needed. But they did. But they, but they, but they did. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. And enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. And we are back. And before we get uh, into anything Spider-Man related, I have also tried to push through on Assassin's Creed mirage um, power to you man you know it's tried the operative word here I, i've made progress i've, I've been kind of okay. uh, uh uh murdering people 
I guess yeah. is what you do in that game. I mean, game? that's what you do in those games, so um, that tracks. But with purpose. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of started giving up doing the con- extra contracts in that game and just started mainlining a story and things have been flying by. I think I have the main, you know, there's like a, a spoken hub model to this thing, and I am now on the hub for the assassination. They kind of, uh, you do these side missions, and there's the hub one. So unless things really take a turn i feel like i'm near the end here on my last assassination at least what they're uh pursuing as their last assassination here and i have a feeling once i'm done with that i'm going to put this game right down i'm not really enjoying the side stuff or any of the other gear breadcrumbs or carrots on sticks or what have you a ringing endorsement yeah yeah like i don't hate what's going on especially now that i'm just some kind of um, I remember somewhere in Assassin's Creed, maybe it was three or four, or somebody had described to me that Ubisoft's made the assassins just murder Cuisinarts, and I feel like I am a murder Cuisinart now, where I just am blades just going, and I don't even stop. I don't, I just run through an area just taking people out. It's uh, it's not trivial, but it is not hard. Um, very survivable, got good gear. Um, I don't know if Alex, you, you got to that part where you have that kind of secret gear that's in that cave. That seems no, like, a, I'm okay. nowhere near. I mean, like I, I got into kind of the main, like, okay, now you're kind of in the world. You can start doing assassinations and, and missions for people and stuff. Okay. You know, past all the training stuff and whatever. But then I bombed out pretty hard after that. I just wasn't finding anything to grab onto. It's funny, like I, I just the hooks in it just don't feel that great to me. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna try and finish that up. Maybe the story will get really interesting, but so far I found the story, the like main, let's call it time period story that is going on to be not mm-hmm. that interesting at all. Maybe the kind of meta story will be more interesting. I have not gotten any outside of uh, kind of the animus. I assume we're in an animus still. I don't even know, but I haven't gotten any of that in this game. So I'm going to try and push through and see what happens. And uh, uh, like I said, it's not grabbing me, but it is. <laughs> there's enough there in momentum to just, I think I just take me across the finish line in that one and just put it down. Um, and also I've done some more uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Not a ton, but uh, I am still really enjoying just picking up that up and, and playing a couple of levels and putting it back down uh, between games. It's just a well-designed platformer. You know? I have two games lined up for while I'm traveling. That is one of them. The other one is I think I'm going to finally try and finish El Paso Elsewhere on my nice. Steam Deck because they just uh, did a big update for that game where they, they reconfigured some control things to be more Steam Deck friendly. Nice. Seems like that may have done reasonably well. I feel like I've seen a fair number of people talking about it. It reviewed extremely well, and my understanding is that financially it's at least doing what they needed it to do. So That's, that's cool. good to hear. That seemed yeah. like a like a Because cool that, that game right apparently now. was a real like, hey, this might break our studio kind of thing. Great. Um well that's El Paso elsewhere. Tomorrow Brothers Wonder. Not too much to report on there right now, but maybe in the future. And mm-hmm. then this is where we give our spoiler warning, and we're going to talk about Spider-Man 2. Brad, you have wrapped up Spider-Man 2. Yes, I finished it. I finished it 
mere hours <laughs> after we finished recording last week. Um, so, uh, Alex, you have not finished it quite yet, but you're pretty far along. So I'm pretty far along into this point. I'm perfectly happy to just like, talk about whatever happens in that game. You're, you're past where I was. Are, are we doing it? Is this just spoiler town? So I'm going to well. take a break one more time here and say, if you're looking, uh, to, uh, bypass this, you can go into the news section. That's where this is going to be the last game we talk about in the game section. Uh, so we are going to have spoilers for the end of that game story. If you don't want to hear any of that stuff again. Fast forward, move on to uh, uh, the this news was section. Your warning. Um, I'm trying to stretch this out so it gets past no, everybody. I think, I think now, I think we're skip. good. We've done our work yeah, here. Period. Um, all right, Brad, get couldn't, into it. I couldn't believe it when Mary Jane killed Peter Parker. I know. Again, she's always doing it. Um, um, yeah, I was last week. I was right after Venom. Right after you play as Venom, like Venom shows up in the story right as Craven is written out of it, basically. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, this has got to be the ending. And then I save right after that, at yeah. which point they're like, here's a new side activity. And why don't you go mop up some other stuff you haven't done yet until we unlock the next mission. But then I went and sat back down after that podcast and finished it in one sitting. So, okay. That's, it is another like five story missions or something. But did you wind up doing all the other, uh, symbiote farms, the symbiote nests? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I did all those. Well, I didn't do all, I didn't do all of the second wave until after I finished the game. Okay. Um, but Alex, you're past where you play as Venom, right? Yeah. So you've seen everything except the last fight, basically. Like, okay. I, I don't think I don't like. I've still get, got a bunch of open world stuff to mop up, but like, as far as the story is concerned, it feels like I'm pretty close. So and, I'd say the only thing narrative-wise that takes a little bit of a turn there is Peter getting the reason Peter gets his like symbiote powers back after. Oh, right. Yes. After I, the suit, it, it, you know. I think and it, it's some I, comic book hijinks. I played through so much of that game in such a short period. I think like the order of events is a little jumbled in my head. Yeah. Does the Miles Martin Lee stuff happen before? No, Craven's still in it then. That's before Venom. That's before right? Venom. That's yeah. all Venom. Okay. So but when he Peter, gets his like suck people in powers, yeah. Right. But the Peter and Martin Lee stuff is after. That's right. That's after. Yeah. So you do get the whole white symbiote suit justification for here. <laughs> here here's, here's these cool new powers back that we took away from you. Yeah. Which is kind of weird uh narratively because it's just like the good venom now like the good symbiote suit and like i don't know and then martin lee kind of loses his powers he just becomes like a, a just a regular dude so he can't do this too who is venom but uh um our favorite friend osborne i tried to i tried maybe comic fans can let us know i tried to figure out if there's ever been a harry osborne as venom storyline and i could not find evidence of anything like that it's harry it's your friend Harry. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, they really telegraphed that pretty early on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I never had. Well, there was like a two percent lingering doubt of like, are they going to introduce an Eddie Brock character like right at the end of this or something? But no, it is absolutely. So you you did finish the um since we're in full spoiler territory, you finished the flame missions, right? Where you get yes uh, the, mm-hmm. the start of Carnage. Oh, that shit was like. It's, this is why it's weird that I'm getting all excited about this because I'm not a comic book person at all. I didn't know who the fuck Cletus Cassidy even was. <laughs> Until I just randomly happened to look up some stuff about Carnage, yeah, uh, like the day before I did that last flame mission, and then like his literal last line of dialogue in the game, like the literal last word he speaks in dialogue is Carnage, yeah, and then and then they refer to him as like Cletus Cassidy is an alien, whatever. I thought it was a cool like, yeah, a, a cool setup for more symbiote shit down the line. So, I, I what'd you think? I I I, I I'm like love this game like really enjoyed it i think there's like a couple 
three things about the storytelling that get a little uneven here and there, but like overall thought it was fantastic. What do you I think, think for like, a game where they had to jam in as much stuff as they seemingly had to, uh, they do a pretty good job of not making it feel like they are overstuffing you with villains and characters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the right take or that's where I land is like they they did about as well as you could expect for how much just the sheer amount of stuff is that's going on in this game. Yeah. I I think narratively I had a lot of fun with this game, though I think they wind up couple of times doing two steps forward one steps back in the narrative which are it's a little frustrating where you you know like i just did this thing now we gotta do and then the person i just beat this guy and then they jump out of the window with the the doodad or the widget Mm -hmm. the the only thing that i started getting a little frustrated with was the, the the boss fight mechanics where they just do multiple stage boss fights in kind of a boring way like it's just like all right go fight this boss until the health bar is down and then you get thrown through the wall kind of MK style mm-hmm. and like, let's just do it again. There is a severe escalation of that because I think when you when you go get the suit off of Peter as Miles, you probably fight through like three health bars. Yeah. And then when you fight MJ as, is that character named Scream? I believe. Oh, when she's the female, when like Venom. MJ gets symbioted, yeah. which I thought was an amazing fight. I thought the like fight in the middle of suburban Queens yeah. Like the visual and like all the shit she was yelling at you. And it just like, I thought that fight was. That's when fantastic. I had my bug. That's when I, I had my I've, box bug. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's four health bars. And then by the time you fight, do the last venom fight, it's like six or something. This kind of feels like they go on forever, right? Yeah. I mean, the spectacle is like second to none though. Like, holy shit, man. Like just the amount of money they put into these mm. big set piece encounters is like crazy. Well, I don't yeah. know if it, I don't, you seem like you were in a similar place by the time you got to the end of that venom fight, you were pretty dang juiced up on all the power-ups right i i so it took me like maybe an hour to get the platinum after i beat the game because i hit max level i upgraded everything to max i got almost all of everything there was to get so before i even did the last mission i do feel like i if you're doing that and it's not that hard to do you are just spamming so many abilities and and tricks and and they come back so quickly and the symbiote surge is happening constantly you're you're like barely at punching stuff at that point (laughs) it's almost constantly abilities and gadgets and so you can manage the kind of formidable escalation of symbiotes. They become much harder than the normal uh, thugs in the game. But you have so much going on that you can kind of crowd control them. And I thought that Venom fight, while it was really fun, um, wasn't that hard compared to some uh, of the middle game fights. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much all the like, I'm trying to think. When do you fight Craven? Anyway, I think I think from whatever late game point on all the boss fights I thought were more, I'm just there to do these and feel excited about the story stuff that's happening. Unless like this yeah. is going to be difficult in any real way. Like you're just, you're just popping off your abilities. Um, you know, whether it's a stun, uh, 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 like put the character up in the air, a pop up or whatever it is. And then just spamming through to the point where when I would hit something and it wasn't there it felt shocking when I was like, Oh wait, mm-hmm. that's not recharged yet. Like, Oh my gosh, what's going on here? Um, and the kind of switch from narratively, I thought they do a pretty decent job of giving Miles, um, not for some of that game, he feels like he's second fiddle, and I, I feel like they do a pretty for good a job lot of it. Honestly, so, like I, as much as I think there is some good Miles stuff in there, for a good chunk of it, it really is like not his story. Yeah, so, and that 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 kind of goes to what I was saying about it being a little uneven, and that they maybe crammed just a tad too much in because like. 
they absolutely sideline Miles for a big chunk of the middle as they set up the symbiote stuff. But also the symbiote stuff is both complicated and dire enough you have to devote time to it. Yeah. Because if anything, I feel like they could have gone further in the direction of Peter is becoming a monster before yeah. they peeled it off of him. Like, it doesn't go that bad. No, I feel like you kind of are getting the like PG rated version of Peter being corrupted by this thing. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's just gone. But you do get the sense, as much as like Miles is kind of narratively, narr- narratively off to the side, that Miles is just kind of the better Spider-Man. <laughs> like he is, like he is the one who morally and kind of, uh, uh, kind of inner Spider-Man is able to pull through a lot. I mean, look, Peter's doing a lot of stuff with Harry, and that's really tough. And you know, they do a pretty good job of making that bond seem real between Harry and Peter. But Miles is constantly pu- pulling Peter from the brink in this game, like up until the end. He's basically, I don't know how many times Peter says, thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you, Miles. I don't know if I could have done it. And I think Miles comes off really, I, I like playing as Miles a lot. Um, and for almost 80% of that game, Miles felt like the stronger character to play as. Once you start getting some deep symbiote stuff, Peter can really wreck shop. Um, with, yeah, the symbiote with, powers are absurd. They're kind of absurd, especially against yeah. the symbiotes. Especially um, when you get the second wave of symbiote powers. Oh, yeah. When you're just doing that, like, explode out. Like, uh, yeah. Like, and then the bomb throwing, like that thing where you just throw a bomb that just, like, erases any enemies it hits. Yeah, it's pretty intense, it, it, even compared to Miles' late game power he gets. But I still think Miles is a great character, and it seems like at the end of this game, they're just moving forward with Miles as their Spider-Man. Yeah, at I don't, least that's I don't, what they set up. I don't know that Peter is even... Did they address that? I mean, they post-game, Pete, you can play as Peter and Miles. Like, he's back out there just wrapping some stuff up. Oh, no, up, no, but, I mean, like, like has the studio, has Insomniac oh, said something about that as well. If they I mean. have, I'm, I have not. That yeah, I, I don't like think the, they have. Like, it, it seems entirely possible that Peter's not even going to be playable from here on out. Yeah, they set it up ending. where he's, like, going into retirement. Like, uh, I, and, and Brad, you probably more recently have looked this up, but they, they, um, post-credit scene introduce, who is it? Silk. Silk? Cindy I, Moon, like, don't let me sit here and hold forth on a bunch of <laughs> comic book minutia, because I don't know shit other than what I've looked up in the last two weeks, but, um, but yeah, the, I also thought that was a fun way to tie or, or to tie up a thread, the thread of, of Miles' mom starting to date again that they kind of just, like, drop. Yeah. Is the last post-credits thing where it turns out that the, her new dude is the father of, of the teenage girl who will become Silk, apparently. Silk's a fairly recent Marvel character, as in, like, I'm pretty sure she is from the last 10 years. Okay. I, believe, I, think, I think 2014 is what I read. She okay. was introduced. So, yeah, it's like... Is the next game going to be another two playable characters, Miles and Silk, or should they do that? I don't know. Like, no idea. I'm not. I'm not sure if two playable characters should be the thing they do constantly from now on or not. Yeah, like I, they did a pretty good job of juggling it here, but I do feel like it's maybe a stronger story. Story around one character. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll give them credit. If they were going to focus on Miles next time and they want to kind of introduce Silk as having her as a secondary playable character, I don't think that's a bad way necessarily to go. But I do think that the limitations of having a split narrative are present in this game. And it's, it you know, like I said, parts of it where Miles is completely sidelined, where you're having to do the character switching stuff. Like, it's just, it's a little clunky in a way that I think they pulled off here 
but not so much that I'm like, well, they got to do this again. I wouldn't yeah. mind if they did what they did for Miles Morales with that Silk character, have a smaller game to kind of introduce sure. that character and just kind yeah, of that's, some slightly different abilities. Yeah, we're getting a field of what's in this game itself a little bit here, but it's definitely a question I have is like, I'm sure they'll do DLC because this is like Sony's fastest selling game ever. Mm-hmm. And the first game got a bunch of pretty elaborate DLC. But then do they also do that add-on game? Like, do they also do the 40 or now $50? Like, we're taking mostly the assets and engine of the first game and making another product. I wouldn't like, mind it. Both of those things. Like, most people seem to think Carnage is going to be DLC for this game and not some kind of future villain setup. Okay. I could see it. I, I also think they probably don't want to just lean too hard on the symbiote thing over yeah. the course of multiple games. Like, I think you could probably do stuff with the symbiotes in another game, but I don't think you want to make them the focus again. Yeah, I mean, the, Alex, this is like the one thing that's actually kind of a spoiler for you because, like, yeah, the, the Venom stuff, like, wraps up kind of how you think it will, more or mm-hmm. less. But, like, they are absolutely 100% going Green Goblin for the next game. Yeah, like that, that doesn't is, surprise me. That is the like Norman Osborn goes off the deep end at the end of this game. Does he say get me the goblin suit or, or just get no, me the No, he says something? he says he says prepare the G serum. The G serum, that's what it is. Like, yeah, because there is like a super soldier serum, I think, or some something like that that is the thing that is developed that sort of turns him into the more powerful version of himself who then puts on the goblin mask. It makes me wonder cuz he's like a, you know, a late middle-aged dude in this game, you know, he's like not a spring chicken. It's also kind of jacked already. Well, I guess so. I mean, also, he's fucking rich, but are they going to make him like a guy who can be flung through brick walls and just get right back up in the next game? If they're doing the G serum, then yes. Is he just going to become a super soldier, superhuman? Like, they'll give him the super soldier serum. They'll probably put him in a costume that I imagine has some, like, you know, cyber protective shit on it, because it's always, that's how every future version of an old character ends up looking. Um, I mean, look, keep in mind, Willem Dafoe was the Green Goblin in that first movie, and, you know, yeah, while Willem Dafoe is in incredible shape, he is an older gentleman. Sure. Yeah. Michael Keaton was a, a Vulture, I think. In yep. The, well, Vulture uh, was always an old man. Even in the true. comics, he was he always an old man. Older. Yeah. Um, I, the, I'll say, Brad, I think bringing up, go get me the G serum, Harry, Harry um, or sorry, Norman going off the deep end, was maybe the part that I was afraid was going to happen at the end of this and didn't make any sense to me narratively. I mean, they do set up that Norman is like really fixated on having Harry not die. Right. So that's okay. They set that up, but venom has basically destroyed all of New York and has converted the population of New York into symbiotes. Like it's apocalyptic. Uh, Venom's about to take over the entire world. Like, I mean, it's, it's a dumb, it's a dumb little throwaway detail, but it's something about like the symbiote is about to get into the water supply. Yes. And then at that point, it's just going to infect the entire world rapidly. So it's like literally the end of the world is about to happen. It's the end of the world is going to happen. And Norman has tr- tried and tried to recapture Venom. And Venom has just eviscerated literally his every squad that has come to uh, recapture him. Like he just destroyed them. And so when you finally take out venom and you get kind of your nice moment with peter and harry and it's like you know harry's like do it you know you gotta do it and they he does something like injects the negative energy juice into venom whatever it does it basically puts harry into a coma doesn't kill him puts him into a coma and norman sees spider-man uh peter and miles as spider-man come out and what did you do to my boy my boy and he's like dude we your boy, he, cause you know, he, Norman knows it's Harry in the suit is like in the Venom suit. It's like, 
dude. I don't know why Peter wasn't like, dude, what are you talking about? We did it's, the thing we had to do. It's it's one of the, the more annoying types of writing and stuff like this, where it's like all these problems could be solved if the characters just talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Spider-Men just said exactly what happened, it's like, hey, he was going to die. But Norman like, saw like he was destroying right, the world. Right. Like, like he immediately is just like, they ruined my son. Yeah. You know, it's like fucking they save the world and he's not a monster anymore. It's like and he, probably and he's not an even dead. He's in a coma. Like the yeah. doctor's like, yeah, he might not wake up. He's there's like, you know, trouble with the brain activity of the whole thing. But like, I'm going to say they did a pretty good job of taking care of that situation. And, yeah. Like that if, you if created, if they're going to go this direction, I think they could have maybe portrayed Norman being insane with grief a little more directly. If that's what they want to do here, because he seems fairly rational about it. He's just wrong or, or, or push it more in the misunderstanding direction where he's watching some feed and it looks like Spider-Man has the opportunity to save Harry and he doesn't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is pure. Like, um, they literally bring Harry out in the coma, put him on an ambulance and Norman's like, my boy, what'd you do to him? And I think Spider-Man's like, I, I I don't know. I, I I don't, I don't know. It's like, dude, you, you stopped venom and the city is gone. The city is gone. It is just not existent. Like there's just, I don't know. That was a little tough to swallow, even in comic book by comic book standards. I'm with you. It's it's pretty forced, but I'm not surprised. But at the same time, like what you're describing is very much what I thought they were going to be doing as I have worked my way through this game. So it does like, I didn't know that they were going to stick the landing. It sounds like they didn't a hundred percent, but also like, you know, they at least create some pretty, exciting stakes if nothing else i'm still happy to like looking forward to finishing it i'm still having a lot of fun in that game but it sounds like they're doing the exact thing i thought they were going to angle yeah. toward eventually and and i think that's what mostly was a little disappointing about that thread line which was you do feel like this is where they're going to go but how are they going to get there and i just feel like they kind of jammed that puzzle piece in at the end to make it fit and you're like okay look we, we got there uh, they do you know, a little leapfrog maneuver just to find their way in there somehow. Yeah. And throughout the rest of the game, they do a pretty good job of making the relationships, whether they really put the pedal down to be like, this is too corny and nice, but like they do a job, a decent job of making the relationships feel like they are meaningful between the characters. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, again, most of the Miles stuff feels less forced than the Peter stuff. And Miles' relationship with his mom and the school stuff and, and going through all those feel much more natural to me than some of the Peter going to the fair with Harry and they're all having the best time of their lives and we're going to live forever. And you know, God, they said they, they lay that shit on. It's so a little, thick, it's a little thick. And, and you it's know, pretty hokey, pretty hokey, but it's, but it's, it's hokey in the same like comic heightened comic book way. This entire game, this whole universe is hokey. You know, it's, oh, like yeah. the, it's, it, it's very consistent with this version of New York where like, uh, an EMT with a stretcher is waiting on every other corner, yes, <laughs> just waiting exactly. for Spider-Man to soar in with somebody who needs help. Or, or yeah. hokey in the way that in a city of millions of people, there are really only 10 people that know each other. And it's, you know, Mary Jane's yeah. working for J. Jonah Jameson and the mom is dating another su- uh, a father of a superhero and Miles' uh, uncle is the prowler. And, you know, yeah. it, it, in a city this big... There are really are you, like 10 people that work in the same circles. I mean, it was like a game where you are swinging by the Avengers tower every half hour without <laughs> ever seeing hide nor hair of an Avenger, despite the apocalyptic shit that's going on. They're on another mission. They're out there. I sure. mean, at one point you land on Dr. Strange's roof, but he's out of town and Wong can only send you a note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think 
I think there's a I can't I'm, is it Miles? One of the games does address like the Avengers that are away on a mission or something like that. I, I think is it the is either first game or Miles. One of them I think they're like in space or something. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's I don't like think a good you know if you want to if you want to put them in an inaccessible location where they can't just come back or on on a, on a whim. That's a good one. I feel like that would have been a good post credits thing of like Captain America or Iron Man or somebody coming back and be like, "Whoa, <laughs> what what happened?" Because again, the city is gone. Yeah, it well, is. remember there are just rights issues there where they can't show a bunch totally. of stuff. Yes. Um, uh, and their cleanup crews are, are trying to wipe that symbiote juice off of everything. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, did yeah. you get your last uh, post game? Uh, peter cell manipulation uh uh thing to get that last trophy if you got the platinum you did the ed what is it the uh, the foundation table that so i was gonna ask that was the one the one side activity i didn't mop up before i finished the game was the science experiments like i did you can't i only did so okay that was my question then because but i had i still had like three or four random ones on the map that i hadn't done ah Okay. So then when I got to the point where they're like, hey, he sent you a package, like, you know, it's the final leg of that. And it's written very much in a post-game way. I was like, did they just write multiple versions of the end no. of this quest line to account for where you're at in the game? But okay. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I had to look it up because I tried to get them all done before I finished. And like, I'd look it up and be like, you can't do this one until you're interesting. So you literally can't do the one you're talking about, the one in the garage. Yeah. Weird. Huh? Yeah. I mean, that table, the table is not, is, you can't find it anywhere. Um, so that, that you have to do post game and then some of those Mysteriums are tough, but I'm glad you don't have to get gold in all of them. There's one yeah. that I just could not break past, uh, even into silver where it was a like kill a certain amount of enemies in a, in a certain amount of time. And they were all on these platforms that I just could not get it. Uh, yeah. I, I think those were my least favorite of all the side activities. I, I don't mind a good go fight some guys, you know, like raid a bandit camp type thing, but this was like. These challenges were not that much fun, and also I didn't find the Mysterio stuff to be that compelling. It's, I mean, it wraps yeah, up all right. The, the, yeah, there's there's a little bit there. I mean, like you know, we said it before. Like I, every side activity chain ends in something interesting in this. Yeah, it, I'm not saying it doesn't activities. end with anything interesting. I just I thought that was one of the least interesting like, ones. Like they just uh, just you know from the standpoint of like open world games need filler side missions. You know, they at yeah. least did some writing and some art to or challenges. Right, give you give you a little reward. Uh, at the end of all of these, the yeah, irony about those challenges is though that like the more powers you have, the later in the game you do them, the easier they are to get gold on. But by the time you have all those powers and get to the end of the game, you kind of don't need the rewards they give right. you anymore. Those hero tokens, they—I mean, they do—they yeah. do flesh them out a bit. The the weird thing, I think you must have had this. You wind up with more points than you have to spend in your tree, mm-hmm. um. Uh, or at least I I did, and I don't think I think everybody must. If you're, um, I don't know, I didn't I didn't look. I uh, and what do you think of that bot storyline? That where you, I didn't you, know what the fuck that was. I, don't, I have no it? idea. I have no idea who Miguel is or why that lady looked like she's in a PS2 game. <laughs> is that is that Wait, some multiverse? Okay, so I haven't finished that one yet. Is that some multiverse shit? So Miguel, I believe, is that the name of the main character from Across the the Spider Verse? You mean the the tw- uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Miguel so, O'Hara. Okay, so that's that part. But I did not know why you opened that portal into a PS two game where that yeah. woman is working at the bar. I mean, it was cool. I have no <laughs> idea what it means, but it was a neat visual. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what that actually one I haven't seen the ending of that that line yet and two uh I don't know what the hell they would be doing there. <laughs> I'm only vaguely familiar with 2099 stuff. I read a bunch of the first run of that back in the 90s and then I never read any of it again. I hope they're not setting up a bunch of multiverse shit. I mean, by the time another Spider-Man game comes out from this studio, it's going to be like pushing the end of the decade probably. So it might have I been assume, for funsies. Yeah, yeah. I assume multiverse stuff is going to be pretty out of fashion by then. Like, they do that, which is kind of fun. I, you mentioned this last podcast, but now we could talk kind of explicitly about it. I think that's kind of fun. I think the uh, wrap-up with the chameleon, is that who that um, the the Craven's like, brother is? Half-brother, I think. Okay. I think that's a pretty cool one to wrap up in the side missions. Is that the hunter blinds? Is that the... No, that's the chase, the... Robot eagles, the drones. Oh, yeah. the drones. Okay, the data. Um, they they do some pretty fun things. I think that that fire is that fire one optional. Fire the, the f- flame. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to do it. Okay. Or I, who knows? I mean, maybe they don't unlock one of the last story missions until you after, after you've done it. I'm not sure. Um, like that- they do, they do very explicitly point you toward it <laughs> after Venom is on the scene and fucking things up. It is pretty conspicuous at some point that they push you toward doing that last flame mission. So it might actually be required. I don't know. Like they're all some, while doing some of the, some of them get a little tedious in the middle there. I didn't really love chasing the, the vultures, like the flying through the, the vulture rings. I thought that was all right, but you know, wasn't my favorite. I think the wrap up for all of them is, is usually pretty, pretty well done. Yeah. Um, and the, and I appreciated the side stuff that was in there. Um, because it had that narrative, those hooks in it and they were generally accomplishable. There wasn't like, 40,000 of them. There was nothing, like nothing is too, nothing is too tedious. Like the rewards, both the upgrade rewards and the story rewards are good enough. Nothing yeah. goes on too long. Um, and you can kind of wrap it all up in the course of finishing the game. It's yeah. They did a very good job with side stuff overall, like pretty happy with, with Spider-Man where it went. I, I do want some more DLC so I can play in my 8,000 suits. I now have unlocked, uh, and, see what they do with um, more powers. If they do any more DLC, if they kind of expand that tree out a little bit, oh, man, that game gets a lot of moves you can do you know, yeah. in combat yeah, um, and well, gadgets I, and stuff. Last thing real quick before we move on the, the other post credits tease. Oh, right. Seems like, seems like Dr. Octopus is coming back into it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the, Oh, and, and the whole final chapter thing, Alex, do you know anything about the final chapter storyline? No. It is a thing. I looked it up. It is definitely a storyline from the comics. Okay. What is it? I don't know about that either. Osborne goes to visit Norman or uh, Octavius in the raft at the end. First of all, I like, I don't know if this is canonical and from the comics that there's like some seeming antagonism between them. Like, well, that's was from it, the first oh, that, game. Oh, that was, that was from the first game. Wasn't yeah, it? Octavia, yeah. Octavius hates Norman yeah. Osborne, right? Mm. Um, but anyway, Osborne goes to visit uh, Dr. Octopus in the raft to try, try to get him to say who the Spider-Men are and he won't and kind of talk some shit about him. He's like, he's like, they ruined my son. Yeah. Doc Ock is like, good. Yeah, it's pretty Damn. rough. It's like, we Damn. all have to, we all have to experience loss, even you, Norman. Um, but then, but then he's like writing a book and Norman's like, what are you writing? And he's like, the final chapter. And then it cuts to black. So I, I don't know what the implications are from the comics of that. I didn't know that was like an in-universe thing. I just, I thought it was just yeah, kind it of is, a metaphor. Yeah, the, there's a full-on, there's a whole Wikipedia page about the final chapter, whatever that is. Huh. The, the gathering of five and the final chapter. Huh. Um, 
I mean, they, again, spoilers here, if you're listening to this, it's too late, but they off a couple of, uh, you know, Marvel supervillains. Oh, like a lot this. of them. Like, you lose, Vul- Vulture's presumed dead. Uh, they definitely kill Scorpion. Um, yeah. Electro. Electro's dead. The guy's name. Um, yeah, um, they're just gone. Or, or, you know, as far as you know, some yeah. of them are dead, dead uh, in the universe. I mean, look, the thing is, some of those guys have suits, so, you know, there's always a chance. I mean, the Scorpion, there was a particular reason why he was wearing that suit, but it's not impossible to think that they might come up with a future Scorpion, but also Scorpion is, like, middle-tier <laughs> Spider-Man anyway. Okay. Like, he's big in the old yeah. stuff, but hes I, I don't think I've ever read a Scorpion issue where I was really invested in anything going on with that guy. Hmm. They'll figure it out. They'll yeah. figure it out. It's Them's comic books. Yeah, they'll find uh, a way to make people that are dead not dead if they have to. Uh, but overall, new villains. Overall, pretty good. Uh, yeah. I look forward to what they're doing. Um, I don't. I usually don't come out of these kind of big Sony games ready for the next part of it. Um, well, quote unquote big. Uh, but I am. Like I would take some DLC whenever they are ready for yeah. it. I, I don't think I need a big break yeah, from, like, from this. Yeah, I'm. I continue to be kind of shocked how much I like this game. Like, if somebody showed up from the future with Spider-Man Three tomorrow, I would be like, "All right, sure." Yeah, I'll play. I'll play that right now. Yeah, I feel like when I, again, for as you know, much was in this game, I was satisfied but wanted more, and I think that's a good place to leave people in a game, um, uh, like not burnt out, which is sometimes where I feel at the end of these. So good on Spider-Man. Two, uh, and I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure. I guess we'll see what happens in the DLC. There's no season pass for this one, so uh, we should mention back. If you're listening to this, it doesn't matter because we're in the spoiler territory. You're not listening anymore. But Alan Wake Two's bigger version does have a season pass or expansion pass, I think they call it. And there was none of that for Spider-Man Two uh, in its big edition. You just got some extra costumes. There was no, yeah. uh, no. Uh, I would, like you said, Brad. I would be shocked if they didn't explore more content for this game for as well as it is doing and it has done uh, for them. But we'll talk about more Sony and what, what's going on in their departments in the news. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk more about the video game news. See you on the other side. All right, we are back, and it is time for the news. And if you have been following the gaming industry for, yeah, you just got in over the last couple of months, you know the story that has been happening are massive layoffs kind of across pretty much the entire industry. I don't think really there's any place to be spared at this point. Like a handful of studios so far have not had layoffs, but I'd say, you know, at this point when the studio announces them, it's not exactly a shock. Definitely uh, not. Has Nintendo? N- Nintendo, I feel like, does not off one. They don't do a lot of layoffs. Too. Yeah, I they, feel like they're often don't. You don't find out about it from them. They just make people ambassadors. Yeah, there you go. Uh, still hard to hear though. And uh, the latest round of layoffs that was pretty tough to hear was layoffs at the newly acquired, recently acquired Bungie, uh, uh, by way of Sony. So, uh, this is coming out, um, after when did they get acquired? Do you guys remember? Oh gosh. Wasn't that long ago. Year or sometime. Um, I think it's been over a year. Year. So, yeah, last summer, 
according to the reporting I'm looking at here from Polygon, which is uh, up to date uh, around about a day ago, uh, still unclear how many layoffs in this layoffs, but um, could be in the tens or dozens of people. Uh, Jason, so Jason Schreier just tweeted about an hour ago what he's got. About 8% of staff, roughly 100 people is what Jeez. he's saying. Okay, that was more than is even in this story. Uh, and, you know, it, it is Sony kind of, you know, I assume pulling back on, it's not clear from the story, but it sounds like the positions that were uh, laid off are people that they might have uh, also have positions within Sony as an organization that's bigger. Um, I don't in- think that's universally true, though, because like their composer is yeah, now they, 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 they laid off Michael Salvatore, which is fucking crazy as somebody who has listened to a whole lot of Destiny music. Yeah, like after after Marty O'Donnell got out of there, Salvatore was like the name on. I mean, actually, I should be fair; they have like four composers who were credited on quite a bit of their stuff. Sure, but he it's was, just that Salvatore is definitely like it, one of the most. He was probably the most common name I saw. Yeah, yeah, so that yeah, I was going to say, with the exception of uh, some, you know, again, the composer, pretty notable. Uh, the reporting on this says uh, spread across uh, community, social teams, marketing, legal, recruiting, art, human resources, quality assurance, and elsewhere. And it just made me wonder if this is part of Sony kind of looking through these positions and saying we can cut costs here because we can cover some of these in other places, whether they can or not. I don't know. You know, that's, yeah. Uh, but th- I don't know if that's true. That's just me editorializing. This also comes on the heels of Bungie saying there would be no layoffs, right? When, when yeah. this acquisition happened, which is well, and so just to give a little, like Paul Tossi uh, from uh, I believe Forbes, uh, Forbes uh, had some ongoing reporting for this too, and from, directly from a source at Bungie, though it is you know obviously it's it's on, on you know anonymous, but um, it sounds like the choice for who they are laying off came from Bungie management, not from Sony necessarily. Mm. Sony t- probably told them, hey, you have to lay some people off. But ultimately, it was up to Bungie to decide who they were doing that for. And a number of these employees sound like they may have had unvested shares from the Sony purchase. And in fact, because they are being laid off, those shares may in fact be void. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, which which led to <laughs> at least one former Bungie employee I follow on Twitter saying the same thing happened to him years ago. Mm-hmm. With shares, like share wise, yes. like yes, like was let go right before his shares vested. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, with one person. I mean, I can't say how much of a trend that is, but uh, and also like benefits, not health insurance. Apparently, health insurance lasts for the duration of whatever the severance is, but like a lot of employee benefits basically are gone as of tomorrow because they are laying people off on like literally the day before the end of the month what are those like i saw that but i'm wondering like what what is parceled out monthly besides health insurance in terms of employee benefits i'm trying to think what else that would i don't know for certain i don't know what the terms of a a bungee employment contract are so i i can't say for certain yeah i mean that could range from anywhere from you know gym membership comps to yeah that was you yeah, know it, it could be or more serious things like you know sometimes healthcare uh, support is is or not healthcare in the medical sense like mental healthcare yeah yeah, a, yeah. Sure. stuff that isn't specifically just your health insurance right like oh you can get we we partner with these other people to provide this benefit um you know there's childcare can also be considered a benefit yeah. in, in some places too there's a lot of stuff that can really affect people so though there are a lot of layoffs it's never 
you know, they don't, I feel like they don't become routine no matter where they no. are. Um, and that also led to reporting that, uh, you know, Marathon, which is uh, Bungie's kind of more nebulous project and also its next Destiny 2 expansion, which is the weird shape. What is the name of that one? Final shape. Final shape um, will be experiencing delays. Yeah, did I understand correctly? I think those had already been delayed internally. This just kind of got out as part of this. Uh, that was the case. I believe is is what it was. So it's delayed to twenty twenty five. Marathon. What is it? I think Marathon got pushed a year, and Destiny expansion got pushed like four or five months. Yes, I believe that is right. So I don't. Know, there's there's obviously some trouble within Bungie. The you know, least of which is a delay, you know, and the most severe is they're cutting staff. Uh, yeah. To, the, the rest of the rest of I'll just read the rest of Schreier's tweet. He said, Bungie laid off about 8% of staff Monday or around hundred people. Two weeks ago, staff were told they were projected to miss revenue targets by 45%. Wow. Employees were galvanized to get things on track. Then came surprise layoffs. <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to get things on track. Yeah. Uh, by a 45% shortfall in two weeks, but whatever. Um, yeah, it seems, it seems unclear where the cuts actually came from. If Sony corporate mandated the cuts or not, mm -hmm. or if this was entirely with, within Bungie, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell from this reporting so far. It sounds like more, you said that just went out about an hour ago as of the time of this recording. So it sounds like more reporting coming out on the cuts over at Bungie. Obviously, it might sound hollow because we say it every time, but I think we do mean it when we say hopefully everybody finds some kind of meaningful employment there, but there's a lot of layoffs. It's the this much contraction at this point, like yeah. it's hard to even imagine. It's like, oh, well, the, you know, you just go find another opening. It's like, what other opening? Right. There's no, on top of all these layoffs, the number of openings at studios that have not done layoffs is still not that high. Yep. And, you know, again... I don't want to beat this drum again, but sometimes with consolidation, you wind up in situations where what used to be individual jobs and teams get consolidated into one group. Like, you know, yeah. again, if you have a PR department at Sony, I don't know if they necessarily, they might, but you might not necessarily need a PR department at Bungie or that's my, how they view it. So we will see as things move on. Uh, there is another acquisition story here or an intended acquisition story here, and that is Digital Eclipse, uh, where it looks like Atari is uh, kind of setting up to acquire Digital Eclipse, according to uh, the yeah, story they, on yeah, video, they, video Game Chronicle. Yeah, they have. Uh, Digital Eclipse has a fact up about kind of, it's like, what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. I feel like the story both came out of nowhere this morning and also is like completely unsurprising. <laughs> At the same time, because who else would buy digital clips at this point? Um, you know, Atari has seen, seems to be repositioning itself as some kind of curator of video game nostalgia. It seems like not and necessarily just their own nostalgia, but also like, you know, they bought Night Dive earlier this year. Who's out there remastering every fucking thing left and right. Um. And it, I guess the big question is, or if you've been following digital clips and they're, um, um, was it gold uh, games? The gold game, Master Series. Gold Master like, Series. 
been following that with Karatika, with their Atari stuff and, and, and the like, it seems like Atari is saying, no, we want them to continue that with outside IPs. Like with, it's not just Atari based stuff. We want to continue that. We think it's great. And we want, we want to see more of that and encourage that. So yeah, that, I, yeah. Yeah. That's the literal second question on this fact is digital eclipse only allowed to work on Atari properties now. Uh, it is business as usual, a digital eclipse. Like they say flat out. Um, we, we, we still have the freedom to seek out projects with other parties. Cetera, which cetera, is which is great um yeah like like this has kind of been my question about like atari 50 and the like atari clearly has money to throw around but like the karateka thing maybe is a little more grassroots like i bet these gold master games are like i, I don't know how much they sell but i bet that it's like kind of i bet it's kind of a hard sell to money people in some cases mm-hmm. of like this is clearly a passion project this is like important historical work is it going to make you a 10x return on investments <laughs> Right. Possibly not. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like I you know, who knows with acquisitions, they certainly go bad more often than not, but this seems like possibly a way to get more of those made without as much concern about them having to make a shitload of money. I hope so. I mean again, I don't know what level we should be trusting the current iteration of Atari. Like <laughs> That's does it a seem fair, better? Fair point. Is it better than like what it's it was like bad. 10 or 15 years ago yeah. definitely seems that way. But let's be real. They did still have a bunch of web three stuff on their website as recently as like the last time I looked. It's such a weird company. I mean, they did that weird ass hotel stuff and mm-hmm. the weird merch um, and the like weird NFT stuff. And they made that. Uh, what do they call it? It's just called the VCS, right? The, that, that little set top box that looks like a 2600. Yeah. A few years ago that uh-huh. I'm still mad. I didn't get on clearance. When it was ninety nine dollars, um, but but then they made Atari fifty. You know, like that that guy Wade Rosen, who is the CEO now, like seems to truly actually care about the legacy of the company. And like Atari fifty is, I, <laughs> I am convinced, not a product you can make if you're all bad. Yeah, I would hope not. You know, but again, I, I my my trust level is just very low in general for these sorts of things these days, and Atari does not fill me with hope in these sorts of regards, but I also feel like if any company was going to take a stab at just letting Digital Eclipse keep doing the kinds of things they're doing, I could maybe see Microsoft also trying something like that, but like I, I think ultimately like this is probably an okay landing spot. I hope it is. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I just looked this up. I did not realize. I guess Wade Rosen only took over as CEO in April 2021. It hasn't been so. that long, no. Yeah, so like a, a lot of that, the NFT and hotel shit was before the pandemic started, like 2019-ish. Yeah. First so time I actually, even heard about it or saw him was on that Atari 50. Yeah, uh, like he he seems to care. That's my my uninformed and just gut feeling. Um, yeah, I Microsoft, yes, is another one. I think I've said before, I hoped that especially as they take possession of all this classic Activision IP that they would start throwing and they've got all this Bethesda stuff, they would start throwing money. Mm-hmm. projects like this they still could seems like i guess this, uh, this deal does not prevent that from happening yeah so we'll see what happens uh with digital eclipse um and mike micah and that team as they kind of as this goes forward it hasn't happened quite yet it sounds like it is in the process of happening um and uh it's i think it was 20 million for the uh, digital eclipse Studio. I don't know what comes with that deal either. Some of the details are not in there, whether they get the whole catalog of stuff they're getting. Obviously, they want to keep doing that 
games with gold stuff. Maybe they'll work with Night Dive. Goldmaster. Goldmaster. It's not games with gold. Sorry. That's something else. <laughs> Goldmaster series. Gaming with gold. Uh, Microsoft buying Atari. Uh, mm-hmm. Look out. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you asked me how much Atari was worth. $100 in a song. I, yeah. Like, I don't know if I would put it that high. I, I really, I guess if you have the the brand is probably still pretty valuable. Like, Atari. As a thing you can put on t-shirts and yeah. merch. Yes. Yeah. And yes, right. Exactly. As a software developer, not so much. Uh, but I, going back to the Night Dive stuff, I wonder if Night Dive would do, if you wind up doing that Goldmaster series for more modern stuff, you know how they sometimes include modernized version of games? Mm-hmm. I wonder if some of that Night Dive stuff would wind up in, in those catalogs because they seem you know pretty knowledgeable about taking old games and yep. making them look yeah, fresh. Night, Night Dive has been doing some pretty solid work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like any potential synergy between them and Digital Eclipse could be cool. Could be cool. Uh, also, d- d- Digital Eclipse, for those who don't know, weird history in terms of uh, founding and uh, uh, Backbone and Other Ocean and yeah, like all, all, all of that stuff. Foundation 9, all that stuff goes back. It's, God, it's weird. Five years or more. <laughs> weird, but fascinating. 30 yes. years? Uh, but it sounds like this is Digital Eclipse. None of that other stuff. Uh, all right. Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft, I feel like doing a very unmodern Microsoft thing or maybe the most Microsoft thing. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Alex, I thought I was, it had me thinking about Rock Band and Guitar Hero and kind mm-hmm. of Microsoft locking down their wireless protocol for things. But this story about Microsoft basically killing off um, unauthorized, unauthorized, unofficial xbox accessories where i guess if you plug something in you will get an error code which then says you have two weeks before uh this uh your your accessory um gets banned or yeah. does your account get banned let me double check the the wording on this oh i think it's just the accessory stop working accessory stop working you'll have according, two weeks to use the accessory after which time it will be blocked from use on the console yeah, according to windows central i think is who broke this they've got a couple updates on their story here november 12th is the deadline after which unauthorized third-party stuff will not work anymore that's wild this i hate uh i want i don't want to be too in the weeds here because i'm not going to stand here and tell you i i don't know I imagine Nintendo probably has similar policies, and I imagine I don't even know what's the current state of using unauthorized, you know, devices on a Sony console are. So I can't say definitively that they're doing a better job. But Microsoft has always been extremely weird about their wireless protocol stuff and and accessories and people using their their tech. And I hate it. I've always hated it. I've always thought it was super weird and annoying that they do this. I think the thing that makes this a little weirder is that, like, there are a lot of, like, accessibility-oriented accessories that are not necessarily the ones that Microsoft developed that people were using, I think, before they kind of went in on the the accessibility stuff. Mm. And I'm wondering if those things are going to end up in that bucket now. It seems like if it's unofficial or, you know... Yeah, the, the big the big one that came to mind for me and also the one I saw the most outcry around is the um the brick gaming like joystick adapters. Mm-hmm. Which is basically just a little USB dongle that lets you use other joysticks. Uh with the Xbox. Like Jason swore by those at a giant bomb when we were there. Oh really? Um, okay. And those like Brooks straight up put a statement out about this 
and how much it sucks for them. And like, yeah, the FGC is is definitely not happy about this move at all for breaking stick compatibility like that. There's, I just think it's such a dumb, short-sighted move. Like, I I know why they're doing it. It is a pointless move in the grand scheme of things. Um, what Windows Central says is happening is that they are going to start loosening restrictions on wireless third-party controllers. They're going to start letting third parties make wireless accessories finally, and that this is part of that. Okay. I mean, that's fine, but they're also leaving a bunch of people who already have stuff that they bought kind of in the lurch here. But yeah, it, it sucks for people that have stuff that was working that is suddenly not going to work anymore. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's not on Microsoft to say that, you know, well, you know, you bought the thing that wasn't official and we never guaranteed that we'd keep it. You're right. You didn't. But it's just it's a thing where it's like it just feels like this move to restriction is just not. It's not gamer friendly, which I feel like was where Microsoft has been really trying to position itself. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, aside from fighting game community stuff, accessibility stuff, which I hadn't even thought about, Alex, which is a great point. Racing wheel stuff also becomes a nightmare, especially if you're trying to go between uh, PlayStation and Xbox. And, you know, that stuff's really expensive and you don't mm-hmm. want to have to buy separate ones. And Microsoft, you, uh, what what is the current state? Do you guys know what the current state for Bluetooth controllers on an Xbox? Is it just not supported? Yeah, you can't use Bluetooth You can't at all? At all. Can you use headsets? Uh, I think that also uses their own protocol, but don't quote me on that. Okay. Like that stuff becomes a pain in the ass. Like that's plain and simple. It's, you know, it's super expensive to buy and, you know, one that supports the trinity of platforms that you want in my case, which would be PC, PlayStation and Xbox becomes a little harder yeah. um, to, to do. And, you know, with the third party apps out there that were unofficial that tried to get around that, it was somewhat achievable. But I, again, I, I think their stated purpose here is maybe to block exploits and, Plugging unauthorized USB things into your control into your console, I don't really know, but it does seem like I think you put it best, <laughs> Alex. Uh, not a gamer friendly. No. Uh, um, and considering no. how much they like to cultivate that image, it's just one of those things that kind of stands out of like, okay, well, you're saying one thing, but you're kind of doing another. Yeah. Um, and uh, aside from, I guess, I don't. I, I this isn't my world, so I don't know. Aside from possible people doing um illicit things maybe hacking or injecting things they can't be losing a lot of market share in terms of controllers and stuff i can't imagine i don't know it's hard to say like i mean i a lot of people like the xbox controller maybe the the fighting sticks i really don't know it's not my world Um, i don't know i mean accessories are definitely a high margin business so it's certainly something they want to continue making a lot of money on but yeah. i don't know that i don't know that these things are truly threatening that that revenue and i, I guess let me clarify in that I, I said third party unlicensed third party there's plenty of third party stuff that is licensed that that will continue to work um so it's it's you know stuff from razor or uh logitech and all those things that are licensed third parties will work unlicensed third party stuff uh, this this Windows Central story says Microsoft previously had no easy path for third party manufacturers to get wirelessness into their controllers, with only headsets getting approval via a special Microsoft security chip. Ah. Now we're hearing that Microsoft does have an approval process for official third party wireless controllers, and this new restriction may be a result of new security measures to put restrictions on inputs that could circumvent play or inject unfair advantages. Mm. Okay, 
No NES Max is what you're saying. Man, fuck. <laughs> Can't get my I had a Max. Right. Game Shark is useless. <laughs> I had a Max. Uh, let's, not get, let's not get started on the Max. Okay. Max or an Advantage? Which one did you oh, have? I had a Max. I, was Max very, I had an Advantage. I was very jealous of my friends who had the Advantage. The Max maybe is one of the worst D-pads. It's so weird. Like, what the fuck is that thing? The disc? Yeah. And even you, I never used the disc I just because you could press the ring around it. <laughs> I just used that. Uh, is that just due to like... What, what was that? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. It's like an interesting... It's, it's interesting looking into the early days of Nintendo with that stuff. Like... I just found out fairly recently that the advantage was actually made by ASCII. Oh, like ASCIIWare made the advantage and Nintendo just branded it back then. I was going to say, was there something with the copyright of the D pad for the Mac? But then I thought maybe Nintendo wouldn't be infringing on its own copyright, but if somebody else made the Max, Yeah. I don't know who made were. the Max. Let me see. Demon spawn. I know. <laughs> uh, I don't see who made the Max. Might've been Nintendo. Okay. I had a Max also, and I thought that thing was kind of trash. It was bizarre. Um, that's Atari, Microsoft, Bungie. Um, we, should, we probably should have mentioned this during the Alan Wake talk, but there was a little bit more news about Control 2 and what's going on in Max Payne world with their remake. And basically, it's just, I mean, the short of it is they're moving forward. Like, the, the progress is being made. Um, what is the name of their special project? Condor? Uh, yeah, isn't that the multiplayer yeah. control game? Uh, they say this was kind of a, in their um, investors' talk. Condor, a cooperative multiplayer game, has progressed from the proof of concept to the production readiness stage. We have acquired valuable insights into developing service based games and are now in a better position to create a game players can engage with for years. Sure. Yeah, sure. control control two continues in the proof of concept stage. Yes, like um, not too much progress. here. Uh, they do so say we will continue at this stage for the next few quarters, is what they say about control two. So, few quarters could mean I don't know. Maybe they go into production on control two like a year from now, like mm. full production. Who knows? Let's um, say control two is like three years out or more. And then the um, the remakes, uh, basically, Sam Lake just saying, I don't know, it's really big. That's 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 a big one. These are yeah. old games. They're very old. Bringing them up to modern standards and combining them into one, you can see that it's a big, big project. Yeah. I think they also probably, you know, it's one of those things where it's like they have not, they themselves have not touched Max Payne in a very long time. And I imagine that if they're going to do this, they want to do it in the most, like, grandiose we're back motherfuckers kind of way so yeah i can sounds, understand taking your time with that sounds like that one is is moving along pretty pretty well they say they we are at the quote production readiness stage which sounds like they've probably got like design locked and are ready to get going on making the thing so i assume they've they have a deal with rockstar for that yeah, right? I, yeah, yeah. I don't i'm sure i knew about this at some point and completely forgot about it when did this get announced I don't even remember. I, I like when it came up, I was like, wait, are they doing that? And then I remembered, oh, right. They did announce that at some point, but I could not remember where. Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to find like all the Google results are dominated by this news. I'm trying to find like 
Well, that that interview, the thing I mentioned about Sam Lake, that was an interview with Sam Lake from Video Game Chronicles previously. That ran. Let me see if I can find it back in there. Oy, that's from September. Uh, April 2022 is when they re- announced this remake of Max Payne 1 and 2. Dang. Is that is that also when they announced Condor? That might be right. Mm. Condor and then Vanguard. None um, of this is yeah. familiar to me. Remedy, Remedy got a lot going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Control 2, Control Multiplayer thing, Max Payne remake. Alan Wake just came out. Uh, Vanguard's the one that nobody knows anything about, right? That's just nebulous. Is that a, yeah, is that a totally other project? That it's is. That's in the statement, they say, in codename Vanguard, we are defining the next stages of the project with our publishing partner. At the same time, the project is aiming towards completing the proof of concept stage by end of next year. Obviously, oh. this is all investor stuff. They're just wondering what's on the books here. But interesting, nonetheless, on the back of Alan Wake 2 coming out and me personally enjoying it so far. Uh, yeah, apparently, and then, right, I forgot. I just saw this headline going around last night. Apparently, Sam Lake told GQ he has, he has an idea for a, quote, crazy, huge budget, dark, gothic fantasy. Is that not Alan Wake? Is, is Alan Wake dark it's gothic? Not that gothic. No, 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 I guess it's more noir. Yeah, I think fantasy doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely see what kind of fantasy game Sam Lake would make. Elden Ring, but with Sam Lake. Finally, sure. <laughs> Speaking of weird online service games, this one is just kind of more of a. Um, public service announcement, but in case you missed it, Ubisoft never want to be left out from gaming news are going to be shutting down or closing some online services for some, eh, let's just say older games here. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to mean multiplayer, linking your accounts, getting your, whatever they call you play points. Now Ubisoft connect rewards, whatever it is, what have you. But the games they have on their list for services that are ending, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, Assassin's Creed Revelations, Ghost Recon Future Soldier, Heroes of Might and Magic 6, NCSI, over on the PC, Splinter Cell Conviction, Ruse? Do I remember what Ruse is? I do not. What's Ruse? R-U-S-E, and then Trials Evolution. Military strategy game. Super don't remember that. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. That's how, how it goes now, right? You can't yeah, stay connected forever. Kind of amazed Assassin's Creed 2 online stuff was still running. Yeah, I wonder what, aside from like uh, tying into the, I'll just call it Uplay Forever, but aside from tying into that, what was going on online? Was that the, did they have stuff where you were sending out Assassins with so. other people. No, Brother, Brotherhood was the first game where you sent people on missions, right? I thought so. I think that's right. And I think Brotherhood was the first one with active multiplayer. Okay. So maybe it's just, maybe the Assassin's Creed 2 is just linking to accounts and stuff like that. Um, that's going to do it for the news in case, unless you guys have anything else that has popped up. Um, that's the news for this week. Some, uh, Sad, some we'll see, some and the remedy stuff sounds like they're doing all right. I don't know. That's seems like if you got that many irons in the fire, hopefully something's doing okay for you. 
I, hope. I, I was gobsmacked when I woke up Thursday morning and saw the Alan Wake reviews. I like, you know, you know like I, I said it, I said it when I went to that event, I was like, this looks really ambitious. This looks super interesting, but you don't always expect something like that is going to land or like pull together, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Or like fulfill its ambitions. So like, just like kind of nines and tens almost across the board with a few exceptions was like, holy shit. Like good you for them. Know, Remedy feels like one of those studios pre control remedy felt like it was on the bubble, you know, like it, it seems like control kind of put them back on a, a, a healthier path. I, I don't know yeah. what's going on internally, but yeah. Did you guys play quantum break? I never did. Yes. Well, I played did, through right? all of it. Yeah. It's not so good. Yeah, like how people after Quantum, like Alan Wake was good, but like, you know, maybe not all the way there. And then they made Quantum Break after that. And if, that one it, also didn't hit super hard. So if the extent of their in universe referencing of things related to Quantum Break is just casting Sean Ashmore and more stuff, I'm fine with that. I don't think they ever really need to go back to that thing. It was never that interesting. Yeah. Well, and Microsoft owns it. So yeah, that would, that would be tough anyway, but. Um, I wonder how much money they got from that crossfire stuff, whatever the single player stuff they had done for that. That felt like very mercenary. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if they're like, there's a special thanks in Alan Wake two to to Smilegate for, uh, for letting us do that crossfire work. I have no idea. Yeah. But like control just came roaring out of the gate so hard, you know, it's like, Oh my God, they're back. And unique, Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're all, they're also like, are they maybe the biggest independent developer at this point that's still doing all their own tech? Jeez. Probably. IO. Um, they might be bigger than IO. Yeah, I would point. guess they're bigger than IO, probably. That's the only other one I could think of. Yeah. Um, like Bungie would have been, but Bungie's not independent anymore. Um, uh, my friend Adam over at PC World just did an interview with the Remedy guys about their tech specifically because they have the Northlight engine, you know? Mm-hmm. They actually touched on that in that interview, like all these other projects they have, you know, it's like they have a Northlight team that makes the engine, right? But then they're trying to service, you know, four different games or something at the same time. Mm. Um, anyway. Is Crytek owned by anybody at this point? Oh, uh, God. What happened with them? Because they're, uh, is the Hunt Showdown is that's yeah, that's, them, right? yes, that's that's Crytek. That's Cry- no, they're, they're, they're still they're still privately owned. There you go. I don't know how big Crytek is, but CryEngine's still out there screaming, screaming. I'm trying to find if there's they've made something well, else. Don't worry, Crisis like, Four is on the horizon. So can they make a Crisis Four? Do they own yes, Crisis? They yes. are making a Crisis Four, or at least have announced one. Oh, have they? Yes. Oh man, they've been announced it last year. Maximum armor, indeed. Whether that ever actually comes out or not, I could not tell you. All right. That's going to do it for the news. We've got an email address here. It is podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com. One more time, please. Thank you. Podcast at nextlander.com. Brad Shoemaker in the big old candy bucket of emails this week. Uh, Pull us out the Reese's peanut butter cup of emails. All right. One email. One email. Because my voice is going again. Also, all the other emails have razor blades in them. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Check these emails for razor blades. Max from Lyon. How long do you think Insomniac can keep making Spider-Man games set in the New York City area? They've sure expanded the map for two, but when do you think it becomes too repetitive? Do you see them ever trying something new with the franchise, or is Spider-Man just too attached to New York City? 
What would you want as a new setting? A new city, if another one can work, or a totally fictional environment? The fuck are you talking about? There's two whole boroughs they haven't even done yet. Okay, one whole okay. borough and an island that you should leave immediately. Are they are they just going to make a Spider-Man 3 and like the Bronx is just magically attached now? Finally, Bron- you can go to Yonkers. The Bronx and then the, all of a sudden Staten Island appears like Atlantis out of mm-hmm. uh, uh, from the depths. It rises out of the out of the ocean and Namor and his army of aqua cops come <laughs> come out. Just the Hey. <laughs> I okay. I have two minds about this. One, I'm a New York homer. I'm not from here, but I I live there long enough that I really do love that city, and swinging around in the city is still a lot of fun to me. I think you could probably ring at least one more game out of this exact city map with greater expansion to it. Maybe spend a little more time in New Jersey, uh, (laughs) you know, what have you, but... Uh. There's other things they can do. Like, they could... if, If they're fucking around with 2099 stuff, you could just do... Spider-Man 2099, like, you could turn that into a game and just do future New York. Uh, you know, here's my two cents on it is, by the time we're done with this round of Spider-Man tech, the tech will have evolved, will be on whatever the next generation is, and they will do New York City again. And it'll be bigger it'll be and bigger. faster. Right. It'll be like, oh, maybe the hook will be, it's a one-to-one New York City scale size because now the traversal is so fast or whatever you need to do and we'll be back to just manhattan as an island uh that they'll do i think new york will until we get exact scale replica of new york i think we're going to stick around in new york is my two i think you're probably right yeah i don't know if they ever get there though i just i I think that's more for gameplay reasons and maybe also art generation i look it's the moving around has gotten so fast you're right i mean Nobody really wants to swing for 20 minutes from, you know, Battery Park up to Columbia or something. Like, it's that's a long time in a real size city. But that's probably where stuff is headed. You know? Yeah. You know, if they, if they really want. Though, Spider-Man in L.A. is kind of a fun concept, you know? Spider-Man in, like, Houston could be kind of weird and fun. Okay, like, look, we know what the problem is, right? It's not the size of the city. It's the verticality yes, of the uh-huh. city. A thousand percent. It's you need a bunch of tall buildings in a, in a compact space. Uh-huh. So, so Hong saying, Kong. Spider-Man okay. in LA. He's right. just driving around everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Spider-Man that, in Hong Kong. That could work. That's kind of the thing I was going, waiting to say was like, I think you have to do a city because for gameplay reasons, because you need something to attach webs to. Mm-hmm. And they do like they, you know, they could be as like loose as they wanted with this and just let you swing in midair. Didn't didn't like the older Spider-Man games like not give a shit. And just oh, they would just s- invent things that you were swinging <laughs> like, off of. Absolutely. Like you could just swing no matter what was like actually physically uh, uh, over you. But this game, you know, like they, these games actually like don't kind of do care. Is there something there for you to attach a web to? Um, I don't know much about the 2099 stuff or future Spider-Man stuff, but Spider-Man being able to attach to like flying cars and stuff could be pretty fun. If you if you're swinging around, that could be. I don't know if there are twenty flying cars in twenty ninety nine, but uh, future I stuff could be fun. I'm just thinking, like, what is actually in twenty ninety nine? I you know, if I go look through my comic collection, I can probably find a couple of issues that I still have of the original Spider-Man twenty ninety nine run. But I remember it being like all that twenty ninety nine stuff being like. Here are new people that are inhabiting the personalities of these, you know, well-known Marvel characters like Spider-Man, the Punisher. There were a couple of other ones, too. 
uh, and the cities were very Blade Runner-y, mm. like, that kind of future Flying, city. like, dark, gritty? Yeah. Okay. Dark, gritty, but also, like, a lot of, like, flying tech and, you know, crazy tech. Give me Spider-Man Noir. Give me Spider-Ham. Let's do it. Dude, if they just made a fucking Spider-Ham game, uh-huh. I would be all over that shit. <laughs> uh-huh. All over it. Um, that's, that's my Spider-Man take. All right. That's the emails for this week. Podcast at nextlander.com. Uh, Watchcast news. We have finished up our October Watchcast with Train to Busan, which is up now currently. I think we talked a little bit about it on the Ramblecast and maybe even at the beginning of this show. It's been a bit, been a minute, uh, but you can check all of those out at patreon.com slash nextlander. We're going to have a week off and then we're going to come back with Alex. Ninja exploitation. <laughs> we are going to, we're having a turkey month is what we're having. Uh-huh. We are going to watch some deliciously bad films uh, over the course of November. And we are very specifically digging into the 1980s ninja boom and some of the more notoriously ridiculous films of that era, including Ninja Terminator, New York Ninja, and Miami Connection. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good time. Look for that schedule uh, uh, coming up soon uh, on the on the Patreon. Um, and I read just this morning that at least when I read, who knows? But uh, uh, SAG was back in talks with the studios. I don't know if negotiations at the time of this recording have fallen out or gone through, but they're ongoing. Is all I know. Ongoing. So maybe the fate of Coop. Someday I will find out what happened to old Cooper. You can find all that stuff again at patreon.com slash nextlander. We got Ramblecast. Well, I've never been a better podcast with the old old Beastcast crew coming through there. A bunch of fun stuff. Find a tier that fits your lifestyle. There is one tier there, though, that gets their names read on this here show. And I'm going to read those names for you today. I've mixed up the order on these, so get ready. If you haven't been paying attention, pay attention to this one. Wow. Yeah, get ready. Starting with, thus the heebies were jeebied. For now, Ryan Waterman, Mega Brains, RRE, Brad's Waist Length Hoodoo Voodoo, Deidre Wishes Liz the Mod a Happy Engagement, Infelicitous Rips, Brian Lucier, Vornak, Matt Clements Jr., David Campos, Kelly F., Raz Grizz Boo, Alex Wu, Evan Cook, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Robert, play Gabriel Knight 3, cowards, Fisher, John McInnes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Andrew Jackson, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, It's Me JP, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Tyler Treese, Gary Pejke, Brian Murphy, Statics, Dollar Side, Edward Chick, and Matthew Herrig. Man, when you mix up the order like that, it's like trying to read the alphabet backwards. <laughs> really <laughs> messes with your head a little bit. Uh, thanks to our mysterious benefactors, and thanks to everyone who has supported us. Um, 
Thanks. We couldn't do it without you. We know that uh, out there in the wilds of the real world, things are economically weird right now. So we do appreciate your support. We wouldn't be here without your generosity, your support, your dedication. You're watching our things. You're listening to our things. So thanks again. Uh, Speaking of things that you can watch, listen to, and check out, we are moving forward, I would say, at a pace in Remnant 2. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like our uh, nonstop crew here is, I don't know, Brad, what do you think? You're more familiar with Remnant 2. We've got uh, this boss of this world coming up, and then what? Another world? Uh, Just the last world, I believe. We fight the boss of where we're at and then go to the endgame world. Man, if I'm not mistaken, Ooh. I'm gonna send you some tips somebody sent me about the end game uh, boss. Uh, mainly, though, they said careful upgrading all your weapons before that because the boss will basically imprint to the level that you're at when you encounter when you kind of take on the boss. Good to know. And so that if you level up after you've initiated the boss, the level of the boss will stay the same. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought that, that was a really sense. good tip. Really good tip. Um, oh, my dog is whining at the steps. My family must have passed through on their Halloween shenanigans. Oh. Yeah. I don't Can you I can hear, hear him? Oh, my gosh. Kirby, it's okay. I'll be right up, bud. Everything's okay, dude. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. We're wrapping up the podcast right now. Everything's right going to be fine. Now. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, we're going to have a grab bag. We're going to have a Friday stream. Alex, you're going to be out traveling. Uh, Brett, Brad and I are going to be holding it down. Uh, I should mention, we didn't mention this at the top, but we were recording this, well, you know, because it's Halloween on a Tuesday. So if some crazy news breaks over on Wednesday, not our fault. We recorded it already. We did it already. It's done. Let me go get to my dog and let you guys get back to Halloween shenanigans. Everybody, I hope you're having a safe and wonderful time out there. Thank you, Alex Navarro. Thank you. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back next week.